Wrestling Geeks Salutations and greetings from Wrestling Geeks Alliance. we got another killer show for you guys here today. Uh, you know, going to be doing a little bit of investigation about a certain thing in wrestling that's happening called the AEW movement, if you will. But besides that, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Go over pay-per-views from this last weekend of Slammiversary and Money in the Bank. But I couldn't do this show without me. Of course, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, I do a show. With Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir? I am doing wonderful, man. It was a good morning. I got a lot of stuff done. Uh, it's a good week, too. We had some great wrestling over the weekend. Um, and great wrestling all week, honestly. I'm very excited for this show, bud. How was your week? Week was good. Um, getting closer to vacation time off. I've got one more week in front of me, and then I got a little bit of time off. So, other than that, uh, unlike you, I was not productive this morning. I decided to drink rice wine and Rizzling up until about one o'clock and I feel like shit. And, uh, you know, um, you know, my acid reflux is bothering me. So it's uh-huh. really getting funner and funner approaching my forties. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I feel you, dude. There's certain things I can no longer drink that I used to, uh, let's say as a kid, <laughs> tequila is a no go. Um, Heavy beers, any kind of heavy beer, like a like a Guinness or something, I get acid reflux really, really bad. This is uh, welcome to the Acid Reflux podcast, sponsored by Prilosec. Yeah, definitely not Zantag because we don't want to get stupid idiots. Uh, what's really good about stomach pills is if you take them and they give you cancer. So, you know, call Stephen P. New though if you have a problem with the law offices of Steve P. Whatever. I'm on the show, but. I'm sure he can help you at those law offices for sure. But, uh, <laughs> this is not about acid reflux or, uh, you know, us bitching about our bodies. Um, we've done enough of that. You know, my bones hurt, but it's time to talk about some wrestling and some actual crack bones from uh, these professional wrestlers. And unfortunately, um, that will go into our first news topic, Chris, because just reported this morning uh, by the champ herself. Uh, unfortunately, now along with Chelsea Green, Britt Baker is the second female superstar with a broken wrist. Uh, she broke it from a Death Valley driver spot from Nyla Rose at the uh, the show this last week. But she said she's going to still make a full recovery and also still defend her title. So I'm sure they're going to keep her away from some matches. But just like Chelsea Green's been able to work around it, I'm sure Britt's going to be able to work fine around it. Uh, just really unfortunate to see the worst of the worst come out on the internet and start attacking people because you can say what you want about Nyla Rose. You know, it's kind of like a very similar thing to Nia Jax, her size and her strength um, contributing, but this could happen a broken wrist and a fucking Death Valley driver spot that could happen from anyone is what I'm trying to say. So lay off of Nyla. Um, listen to it. Why don't you just try to get to know her? Listen to her interview with Chris Jericho. She's a very, very nice lady, and she's just trying to be a good member of the roster. And I think she's done a pretty damn good job. So just because it's kind of like I saw a lot of fucking stupid comments with the Xia Li thing, which I definitely, you know, 
uh, was critical on with her knocking out Mercedes Martinez. But you don't have to go after certain aspects. Let's try to be better people. Or, you know, if you're that type of person, jump in a volcano. Try to swim in there. Do that. But, um, yeah, it's, it sucks, Chris. Uh, more so with the online community, but uh, it looks like Miss Britt Baker is going to be having a broken wrist uh, issue for the next couple weeks to come. Yeah, so I, I, it's a Death Valley driver. I mean, it's not like, I don't know, she didn't drop her on her head or anything. It just seems like an unfortunate accident more than anything else it's just how Britt ended up taking the bump um i don't think anyone should blame nyla for that just shit happens um i mean if she dropped her on her fucking head or something maybe we'd be having a different conversation but that's you know that's not what happened uh and you know this works out for Britt because now she can wear a cast and hit people with it <laughs> like cowboy bob i'm assuming that she's still gonna wrestle and they'll just cast that thing up that's what i would do um and then she could just use it as a weapon yeah i'm sure she'll be able to get around that this is not that big of a deal um but you know people have to be shitty but uh hope for a full recovery obviously of our champion and uh like luckily in this type of situation and like you said they can keep her off but she can also still wrestle because it's in a cast and then use it for her advantage I love Bob Orton and I, Chelsea Green was even doing that same thing when she uh, showed up at uh, Impact Slammiversary as the hot mess. So uh, and we'll talk more about that. But I uh, just wanted to bring that out there before we go into our major news topic or real real quick. What uh, what was Chelsea's injury? I didn't catch that one. Oh, she's had a bro- she's had a, a messed up wrist for a while. She had a black cast on. Uh, oh, so OK. OK. Gotcha. She's been dealing with this, I think, since she got fired, actually. Because she just got taken off of television because of it. Yeah, she's unfortunately had a bunch of injuries that kind of derailed her WWE run. Hopefully, she'll get past that because I like Chelsea Green a lot. She's great, man. One of my favorite women in the uh, in the industry right now. And uh, also looking forward to talking about Empowered uh, because we had a lot of information with Mickey James showing up on that Slammiversary show. Very uh, pretty good show. But before we get to our reviews on the shows from this last week. You know, there's this little tiny rumor going around about two potential superstars coming to AEW. And there's a lot of talk all over the internets. And uh, we'll just get into the meat of it. Sean Ross Saps reported uh, that uh, CM Punk was in talks and had been in talks uh, with, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, AEW for some time now. And they're working and, and ironing out uh, their, you know, contract stuff with him and making a comeback on their show. Uh, so Sean Ross got that from Fightful. I think it was body slammed on that was actually the ones report that Daniel Bryan had already chosen AW and was getting finalized with his contract. This was also taken up by the wrestling observer, Dave Metzler, uh, all but confirmed it. Everyone's pretty much on the like lines of this is pretty much happening, but we can't say anything major um, due to the fact that it's not hundred percent confirmed. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, apparently, Conan on his podcast asked said that he asked Tony about it, and Tony just gave him a smile about Daniel Bryan. The reason why he was bringing it up is because he's the booker of AAA and definitely wants, uh, if he can get him, Daniel Bryan to show up either at Triple Main or just in the future, trying to be a good businessman. So uh, that's something that Bryan does want to do and would make a lot of sense with the inner workings of everyone getting along, it seems, outside of WWE and kind of Ring of Honor. Uh, but all the other companies kind of working together now. So with Kenny now talking about it on the Observer with Dave and 
just making comment that these two guys, you know, he'd love to wrestle. He has a past with Daniel Bryan and, you know, um, the fact that they're both able to make such a big uh, rise and kind of go against the grain in WWE. It's very intriguing. And he knows that they're creative minds. The the concept that I'm wondering, uh, what is this going to do for the future when it comes to AEW? And that is the question that we're probably going to get into. But initially, before we kind of break into that whole entire uh, bag of worms, if you will, Chris, the initial concept that it looks like, uh, and you know, Sean Ross Sapp, uh, he's been on a roll lately. He reported that Cena was coming back. He reported that Goldberg was coming back right before it happened. Um, uh, I think he's the one who's saying that Braun Strowman is now coming back to WWE. So he's been able to get some really good scoops lately. And like I said, Dave has pretty much all but confirmed it, Chris, is CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, or should I say, Brian Danielson coming. Are they all elite, Chris? Uh, the American Dragon seems like a done deal. The Like you said, the the thing is, is like, what does it do for the future with, with Daniel Bryan? We'll get into CM Punk a little bit uh, here in just a second. I'll, I'll dig into that because that's a whole separate thing. But with Daniel Bryan, he specifically said he wanted to work with AAA. So it's not a surprise that Conan... <laughs> would be asking that he did say he wanted to work in mexico uh and also in japan so the thing about daniel bryan is what's that contract look like is he going to be able to wrestle other places i'm assuming so um because he wants to wrestle tokyo dome right that was like one of his things one of the reasons he wanted to leave wwe and i still look at this whole situation and i'm like wwe you couldn't just let this guy (laughs) go work in new japan and in triple a like y'all couldn't have figured something out uh, a bit a bit ridiculous on, on their end as far as the contracts go. But the, I guess to me, more surprising than Daniel Bryan, because me and you both predicted this last week, he's probably showing up at that New York show, right? Yeah, the rumor is apparently, um, I, th- I want to say All Out is the first weekend of September. That's in Chicago. That's when they would premiere CM Punk. And Daniel Bryan would follow suit at that big New York show at the end of September. Uh, and come out and make his big thing. And then we also have Tony's making a big announcement about something not wrestler-wise, but apparently uh, a show, an event uh, next week. So that's also, I'm wondering what the hell that's going to be, that announcement itself. But uh, pretty big news, man. Yeah, it, the, the the crazier one to me is CM Punk and the fact that they're having uh, talks with him and what that contract is going to look like, because I, I know that WWE has offered him an absurd amount of money in the past. So I don't know how much Tony Khan is paying these guys, or maybe just if you're punk, you, you might just be like, you fuck WWE. And uh, have you seen the stuff on the internet where everyone's like, what about Colt Cabana? Oh my God, man. Don't even get me started on that shit. <laughs> There's really... Can we can we before we go into what they can contribute towards the product, can we just go against this whole entire contingency of, of fucking people and their dumb comments online that don't want aid? And I get it. The AW crowd seems very similar to the ECW crowd. They're loyal. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, to a lot of them, PWG became a major fucking wrestling organization they don't like seeing their wrestlers on uh, showing up on impact and and whatnot and trading off and all these young talents that are so good at for television you know they can't 
they can't be pushed aside by major stars that could turn AEW into a fucking major product. You selfish little cunts. I'm sorry. It just pisses me off having to deal with a bunch of young fucking kids that are even young enough to the fact that they don't even see the, the difference that someone like a Daniel Bryan or a fucking CM Punk could make for the company. I just don't get it. And honestly, it's Colt Cabana. Like, I'm not – Colt's a great fucking wrestler, past uh, NWA champion. No, nothing against him. But when you look in the realms of what CM Punk could bring to the product, I don't think it's going to be like, ah, sorry, Punk. You know, Colt, he kind of works here, so he's priority. He's in the fucking dark order. Okay? Just don't talk to each other. I mean, I, I really I really don't give a shit. I think it's dumb. I know people don't like Punk that were fans because of some of the stuff that he said outside of it. But I don't think that was ever deliberately – I think his aggravations were more so towards the company that he worked for and what happened afterwards than anything. If if you got to understand, man, Punk is kind of like, in a lot of ways, the piper – uh, of his generation. He's really great on the mic. He's not, he's not the greatest in the ring. It's, it's not his in ring skills, but he's great with psychology. He can, he's his endurance at least back then was good. I don't understand how people are like, it's been this amount of years. How's he going to get back in the ring? And it's like edge just came back from a career injury. So did Christian after how many times and they're older. So there's a lot of aspects that I just think is stupid that block the intelligence of, 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 of reasoning, with certain AEW marks that I just do not agree with with them. Um, for instance, I like Wheeler Yuta. I, I, I think that he has made a splash to two couple shows that he was on. If you're saying, oh, no, we're going to take him off because he's a newer, younger talent and just specifically put him on the YouTube stuff and, and, and let him, you know, harn his stuff or maybe send him to Impact and let him do some stuff on that because we have to get this big star like CM Punk to make the company bigger – or, or Daniel Bryan, yeah, sorry. There's certain fucking people that shouldn't even be on Dynamite. They shouldn't be on Rampage. That's what the YouTube shit's for. We need to start upping this stuff. I'm not saying to be a competition with WWE specifically, but to be a bigger entity. It's not just about you. It's about the growth of the company, and it's sustaining itself for a long time to come. Uh, so basically, you know, Tony Khan's father doesn't go out of fucking bank <laughs> too much to fucking bail them out, which I don't think will happen. So it's not just your thing, it's everyone's thing, and that's what we should be pushing for is more wrestling, more working together, and more, you know, uh, getting better television and everything. Uh, am, I, am I wrong for thinking that, Chris? Am I being an asshole? Should I not have called these guys? Yeah, you probably shouldn't have said that, but <laughs> I don't Whatever. care. Come at, if you consider yourself an AEW cunt, then uh, contact me at Danehouse42 on Twitter. You just called yourself out. I think the I think more of the problem is people are so worried about the amount of people that they have, but they're gaining a second show. They have they're going to have four shows. That's more than WWE. You're you're talking about eight hours of AEW a week, and that's not throwing in a pay per view. You know what I mean? There's or plenty of shit. Yeah, I mean, if one of these guys go over to like if they work some of the Impact shows like Kenny is doing, I mean, there's tons of room to promote them. Now while while I say that, I don't necessarily watch Dark and Elevation, but I feel like the the fans that are online yelling about this probably <laughs> do watch AEW Dark. I'm just gonna say they maybe they watch AEW Dark, but there I mean there's a ton of shit to get these guys over with. I mean if it, I'm not saying 
obviously the main shows are more important, but we are getting a second show that's going to be on Friday, right? So I have absolutely no problem with this. And I bet if you ask Kenny Omega if he wanted to work a program with Daniel Bryan, he would say, fuck yes, I want to work a program with Daniel Bryan. Because I feel like, to me, Bryan at this point is a bigger deal than Punk. Punk is just, Punk is kind of a unicorn just because he left for eight years. Whereas I think Daniel Bryan is going to be super over as soon as Europe hits and he comes down as the American dragon and does some kind of pro like, like feud with Kenny Omega. My thing is, you know, CM Punk and, and Daniel Bryan coming in, they're going to be pushed immediately to the, to the top of the card. So the worry is what are you going to do with uh, say like a hangman Adam page? And does he just become slightly below those two? Because uh, it's, it's fucking if it was anyone else coming in, I mean, these are like the two biggest signings. This is like a Hall and Nash type signing. I don't know that it's going to move ratings as much as it did in the 90s, just because I think the, the ratings in general are weirder now. I think a lot of people just watch the shit after the fact, which I do um, sometimes record and watch it. And we never really get DVR numbers, so we don't know what those look like. But if you're if you're if you're Tony Khan, right, and you have the opportunity to get both of these guys. And uh, I heard that he made a shot at Brock Lesnar. I just don't see that happening because Vince is going to pay Brock whatever Brock wants. Um, I mean, it seems like he realizes. uh, Can you think of a bigger free agent than those two? I mean, if you're wanting the company to grow, I mean, that's if you're starting a football team and fucking Tom Brady is available, right? (laughs) Even though he's like 40, (laughs) that's a big name. It's a big get. It's like, you know, in the 90s, if you picked up Michael Jordan, I would I would put Punk and Brian up there as far as like popularity and, and name value uh, in the wrestling. And, community. and within the wrestling community, too, who are the two new signees uh, to AEW, a women's roster member? And then obviously he came on two weeks ago, but uh, ex WWE guy, Alistair Black, now Malachi Black, Tommy End, whatever you want to call him, Thunder Rosa. Those are excellent members of your uh, that can that are, you know, newer wrestlers that have been around for the last couple of years that are not veteran, but they're going to make your show even bigger. I think it's only a good thing to have bigger guys on top. And I don't think that CM Punk or Daniel Bryan are going to be like, I want the title. I think they're probably going to want to work with some of these young guys and elevate them uh, much to what Christian's trying to do with Jungle Boy. And it seems maybe. My idea is that Christian's going to turn on him, go heel, and they're going to have a program. But I could see Punk working with someone like a Darby Allen. Um, I could see Daniel Bryan working with someone like a Hangman Adam Page to try to excel them. And I don't think having popular guys from the last 10 years, that not only, the, the thing that drives me crazy, these were guys that weren't, that were in WWE, made huge splashes, but quote unquote weren't WWE guys. And people loved them for it because of the fact that they were to come and become big names, even though they weren't like a John Cena or a Brock Lesnar. And now it's like, here's another addition. CM Punk coming in, there is a fantastic women's wrestler that might want to make a comeback potentially that could really help out that women's division, AJ Lee. I just don't see any downside in any of this. Yeah, same. And I mean, uh, you brought up a good name, Malachi uh, Black, Alistair Black or whatever. I, I, Tommy End. Um, him and CM Punk seems like something that is made for AEW. And I feel like they've both talked about wanting to work together in the past. 
So, I mean, that's a program you can go to that keeps them out of the main event and uh, gives something cool, like an addition to the show, or even CM Punk versus someone like Lance Archer. Like, there's a lot of cool shit you can do with Punk. He doesn't necessarily have to be on top immediately. Whereas, to me, like, Brian Danielson coming in, it's Omega. I feel like he wants that match. So, I'm assuming that's where they're going to go with that. But, um, yeah, I just don't understand anyone that would be upset about this. If anything... You should be excited. I mean, AEW has done a good job at, I will say, delivering us some pretty good long-term storytelling. So, I don't, I, I don't know, man. I'm excited. I, I'm just sad my boy Fandango has not been signed. Dane, are you sad about Fandango? I, I think he will once, once his his shit's up, which unfortunately he didn't have an NXT contract like Tommy N did, but we'll, we won't get into that. He's got two more months. I'm sure he's going to be picked up and worked well somewhere else, but I agree. He's definitely a talent out there. I'd like to see him make a splash. And we have a, still a bunch of those guys. I just love the inner working of people seem like, you know, we're getting a lot of crossover stuff between the New Japan, mostly the New Japan strong product, Impact, AAA, a little bit from Ring of Honor and CMLL. They're kind of on their little own island, if you will. But with AEW and NWA and, and all of them working together, this is great, and we're seeing different wrestlers on different platforms. You know, this is kind of the closest thing, and I forgot who said this, but to the territories that we've ever had in a very long time, where there is some pretty big promotions that are televised that we're seeing other people show up, and like a slam reverser, which we'll be talking about next. You know, it's it's uh, it ends up being a big deal when Jay White shows up at that show. So the potential is endless. You have a lot of younger talent that can get their foot in the door, still build themselves on the indies, get on something like an AEW Elevation or Dark to really make a splash uh, to Tony, but also can probably go to somewhere like an Impact. Like I've already said, there's so much potential in the future. I don't think CM Punk and, and Brian Danielson being a part of it would be any type of problem. And what I also love, much like Tommy End, this is kind of a, I mean, this is not that big of a deal, but it, it's cool to me. Tommy End has – he did not let the WWE take the rights of the music that he was going to premiere, uh, and he's using that as his heel persona. But he also is a smart man because once WWE lost the rights to his original music, he was able to, to get that uh, from the the artists that, that, that wrote it originally and then the performers that performed it that was a, friends of his, basically. So essentially, he has his babyface music in his pocket – uh, but even bigger, you know, we have Punk. He can use both the, the hate breed music that he first came into if he really wanted to, or Culture Personality. They're both, you know, Tony likes to spend money on that shit. And then obviously, Fly the Bumblebee. I don't think there's any patent on that. And I think all of us see the potential in Final Countdown as his music. You know, it's just cool that it, it's going to be really cool if we hear on AEW. W with Punk coming out to Cult of Personality, that to me gets me excited, Chris, in my pants. Well, I mean, WWE, I think, still owns the rights to that. I know people have been talking about that a lot, but if you go back and watch any of the Punk pay-per-views, they still own the video rights for that, I think. That stuff, it gets no, really I, weird. No, I, I don't think they have the rights anymore to Cult of Personality. I think Living Color took that back once he was fired back in 2011. Okay, so that's it's kind of like um if you play like a video game or whatever and they have song they license it differently depending that's why some games can't be re-released on Xbox 
because of like song licensing and stuff. Um, I, I guess they own it for the previous events then. I'm assuming because like if you go and watch like the Money in the Bank. Oh yeah, well, John Cena. Yeah, if you sign a contract to issue licensing for for music, you're going to be able to have it on your product from when you you know had the licensing. But as soon as that licensing's up, your past stuff doesn't get erased. It's just that you can't use it for further stuff. I, I am uh I'm a little well yeah, but there's lots of examples where like Roland for instance by Limp Bizkit. They strip that out, and uh, a lot of the Undertaker stuff they've done has been stripped away from previous videos, depending on how they have done those licensings. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, I, I personally would love to come out to the Hate Breed song again, because I liked that better than Cult of Personality. <laughs> they would both be awesome. I don't care. Same thing uh, with, same with everyone is... is, is for final countdown but you know that daniel bryan comes out the flight of the bumblebee like he has been still gonna be fucking huge i just yeah, don't know I, can, I don't know if he can uh he probably can't really promote the yes movement i'm assuming like he can't do it with the audience is that something that wwe has licensing wise oh that's a good question can you copyright something like that i mean pose and say word uh, yeah i don't know that's weird <laughs> what what if he doesn't say it he just does the pose you can't copyright a pose i mean the fans are going to say yes for him so it doesn't really matter all he's got to do is throw his fingers up right because you would feel like they would have done that with delete when they brought matt in and they didn't do that he was still yeah AEW. um I, it's interesting man it's going to be fun to see these guys daniel bryan with flight of the bumblebees he's clear and free because that thing is uh that's public domain right so I mean, anyone yeah, can record uh, like Bumblebee. That's old classical shit. So yeah, I would I would assume that's that's able to. It's just it's just really interesting. And do you see potential in maybe Punk's uh, wife AJ Lee showing up in the women's division? Uh, if she wants to do it, I mean, she's. Have you read her book at all? No, I have not. Okay, so she talks a lot about anxiety and. Um, she talks about WWE in it a bit too. I, I don't know that she necessarily wants to do wrestling again from what I've gathered from AJ Lee and the fact that she's never really done any kind of interviews since leaving WWE. Maybe she's just happy with not being in wrestling at this point, which if so, that's fine. But like you're, I think what you're alluding to is would she be a big get and could she help that women's division? And the answer to that is yes, I, I would say so, especially because she never came back to WWE. I could definitely potentially see Miss Mickey James uh, calling up Mr. Punk if it's if it's all official and being like, "So, what's your wife up to? Can I get AJ's number? I got this pay per view, <laughs> you know, Elevation, all women's. Be really cool if we can get that crazy chick out there for at least a promo or something." I know when everyone thinks of the women's revolution, they kind of skip straight to the four horsewomen, so to speak, with Bailey, Becky. Yeah, uh, they all Sasha and Flair. AJ and Paige, man. It's like they're kind of cast aside a bit. And I love hey. the Four Horsewomen. Yeah, I do too. As everyone on the show knows, I'm a, I'm a big fan of all of those cats. But, um, I mean, I think that Paige and AJ get kind of slept on. I think they were doing it before. I mean, it's the same way that, like, you know, Trish and Lita get a little slept on um, for what they or, were able um, to accomplish. Or the Glamazon, you know? Yeah, and I am, that's 
that's a WWE thing. That's their fault for calling it the Divas division and, you know, making Michelle McCool the champion and shit like that. So I, I get why people can glance over it. But I mean, AJ Lee versus Paige, they had some fucking good <laughs> Yeah. Good matches. Um, unfortunately, you know, Paige is probably never going to, well, never say never because I didn't think Daniel or or, or Edge was going to be able to wrestle again. Also, is, is, is speaking of which, is Edge on the gas, dude? Because I think he's bigger now than he's ever been in his entire oh. career. <laughs> he looks, you know, his old, uh, what, what cut him into wrestling was Hulk Hogan. I, I feel like he tried to figure out what the fuck Hulk was doing in the goddamn... <laughs> the late 90s, early 2000s, still say that, Jack, because he does look swole as shit. Yeah, I went back and watched him versus Taker, and I'm like, he's fucking way bigger now than he was against, like, Taker. Um, him and Roman, like, he was almost the same size as Roman. He is like, I, Roman. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember Edge looking like that, but good for him. But uh, yeah, no, to answer your question, sorry to a roundabout, but uh, yeah, AJ Lee would be a huge get if they could do that. And if she wants to do it, I'm sure uh, being in a company, company like AEW and having more freedom to some extent would be good for her. Because if you remember with WWE towards the end there, they made her like kind of a GM and put her with Big E and did a bunch of weird shit, which I don't think she would have to deal with, uh, not only to appease Punk, but also, like, she's a big git. I mean, do you want to see AJ Lee versus Britt Baker? Hell yeah. I want to no. see... I mean, it kind of goes back to me wanting to see AJ Lee, though, and Serena Deeb in a match for their history with uh, Punk both separately, you know. A lot of people forget that Deeb was, was the uh, weird bald chick in the fucking... <laughs> Straight Edge Society and both great and ring workers. I'm sure they have a good match and they can kind of like tie it into that storyline if you want. They're yeah, I mean, the that division is shaping up pretty nicely now that they got Deebs and, and Thunder Rosa and uh, Britt Baker's at top. I mean, there's a lot of good matches with AJ Lee. So, hell yeah, I'd be excited for it. I just don't know that she yeah. cares about wrestling that much just because she's been where Punk has kind of still skated the realms of wrestling. AJ Lee has distanced herself very, very far away. Like, I can't remember the last time I've heard her even do an interview or talk about professional wrestling, um, which there's nothing wrong with that. Like, whatever she like I said, she has a lot of reasons to be discouraged about the wrestling uh, world. You know, your husband getting fired on your wedding um, and kind of the way they booked her towards WWE. So if she's done, I mean, Punk's going to make so much fucking money off this contract it's not gonna matter anyways i, I think fox is also still paying him so <laughs> she doesn't necessarily need to wrestle but i would love to see it i i love that you just said fox because no, two other things uh related to cm punk one of them being this concept of well the fox show didn't do well with cm punk he's not a ratings draw anymore and i'm like the fox show was on a fucking small little fucking what fs1 like one of their their afterthought channels, and it came on after the fucking show, late at night. So that was doomed to begin with. Uh, I don't think that when it comes to actual in-ring wrestling, that that's the best way to equate things uh, with CM Punk. And I forgot the second thing that I was going to say that I thought was another complaint about either one. Uh, but do, do you agree with me? Like, just because the show failed on FS1, that Punk was on like every, every other week. Um, 
that came on what after Raw or SmackDown? I forgot which one, but late at night. That that contributes to the factor of CM Punk helping out AEW and the potential of the future. I don't. Or that was the other one. I, I uh, Disco and fucking Conan went at it on their show because Disco was trying to basically say like Punk's not a draw and people are not gonna be able to see past the UFC shit. And Conan said that he was a fucking idiot basically because. He goes, wrestling, there's wrestling fans that don't even watch UFC. They don't give a shit about his two losses. He's like, I will, I love UFC. I can look past that. That, to me, has nothing to fucking do with the potential of him being a ratings draw. And he was also the guy that was going into the whole Fox show thing. Because, you know, Disco Inferno, Clay uh, Gilberti is a fucking idiot. So if you ever want to see him just get burnt, watch listen to his own show with Conan. It's always great because Conan is uh, amazing. Thank you, K-Dog. Well, I mean, a perfect example of no one giving a fuck is Ronda Rousey, right? She popped ratings quite a bit for WWE, and she was coming yeah. off getting kicked in her fucking head. <laughs> so, and I don't if think... Connor shows up on Raw or AW Dynamite or whatever, you, you think that he's done, especially if he loses again to Dustin Poirier? No, no one's going to give a shit. They want personalities. It's pro wrestling. Yeah, wrestling is very different than UFC, and even to some extent, like, the biggest matches in wrestling and boxing, or not wrestling and boxing, UFC and boxing, have a lot to do with the personalities of the people. Like, people love Manny Pacquiao, right? But he's not he's not going to draw a biggest number as Floyd Mayweather, like, pay-per-view-wise, unless he's fighting Floyd Mayweather, you know? It's—I it's, I think people get too hung up on uh, wins and losses in UFC when it comes to professional wrestling— because, I mean, if it was just about that, then, uh, God, who was the guy that they brought into WWE for, like, a hot minute? Of Fedor? He also Fedor did the Triple H. Uh, the guy that wore the, the remember, he did the Triple A match, too, with the um, bull mask oh, on. Hey. Uh, Kane Velasquez. Yeah, Kane, Vela- Kane Velasquez, like, was an absolute murderer. In MMA, and he came into uh, WWE and just—I don't want to call it a wet fart, but it was kind of a wet fart, you know. I think it depends a lot on that. Brock pulled a Hulk Hogan was like, even though it was a shoot, I want you to bring in Cain Velasquez so I can beat him in a wrestling match, get my win back, and then you can fire him. We all know that that (laughs) that Brock just that Brock party big dick energy uh, went back to the Hulkster playing politician, brother, brother. That would that would make me believe that Brock actually gives a fuck, which I, t- I don't believe at all. <laughs> no, I don't think he gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, Brock just wants to get paid and have a Brock party. Also, we need way more fucking Brock party. And man bun. <laughs> Brock man bun while he's destroying and cutting up meat. Uh, like a fucking Viking. Could you imagine, like, a ship, like, being a native over in Canada, and a ship comes, and giant men that lo- that are the size of Brock Lesnar... Um, with long beards, the Vikings just jump off that motherfucker because that's what happened. I mean, Minnesota, that's that area. He looks like one. It's like, I, you know what? We should do a show, man, where we talk about like who could win in the fight between the fucking Polynesian Maui warriors from back in the day and the Vikings. That's <laughs> craziness, man. What was that fucking TV show on Spike? It used to be – they would actually show it before Impact. Yeah. Uh, Deadliest Warriors. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> they had it the, – the producers of that had a show even before that, and I think it was on Animal King – or King, one of the, the, the fake animal sh- 
channels that have a bunch of reality shit on them now. But they had a show where they would take two animals and like go into the scientific logistics of how they could fight and who would win based on stuff. And then they would do the same thing where they have them, you know, scenario it out. I love that shit, man. I mean, I think that's the reason why I get superpower beat down. Same format. I will say this to the listeners out there. Don't search on YouTube uh, tiger versus lion because there's like a legitimate dog fight out there between two. So don't, don't search that up. Oh, I would not want to watch it. See, if it happens in the wild, it doesn't bother me if, as much as being set up by humans. That's fucked up. Yeah, it's it's wild. It's from a like a 1960s, 70s movie, but they, it's it's bad. Just so don't search that. But anyways, yeah, Deadliest Warrior, that'd be awesome. I mean, is Brock the biggest superstar in the world, wrestling wise? One of them. I mean, him and Cena, I would say, especially from the last generation. And I'm I'm obviously not counting I not counting The Rock. I mean I guess if you no. counted The Rock it would be The Rock, right? But um yeah, fucking who would have thought that Lesnar <laughs> after all him. these years would be the, the biggest deal. Um but yeah, I don't I don't know, man. All that all this stuff is interesting. I think everyone should be hyped about Brian and, and Punk. Don't be upset, like who knows? CM Punk and Sting? Like, what are we going to say? We could see a ton of different stuff. All all things that you should be excited about. Like Daniel Bryan versus uh, Moxley, you know, in a, like a hardcore match. Like uh, Hangman Page versus Punk. There's so many possibilities. I think people should be more excited about this and less negative, especially because both of these guys, like you mentioned earlier, used to be considered indie darlings. Yep. I mean, that's I think that's where that term comes from. People like El Generico, Kevin Steen, uh, Tyler Black, Cesaro. Well, back in the day, it's like WWE had their big four of wrestlers that were going to all get big. And they kind of all came from, um, oh, God damn it. Jim Cornette's promotion, Ohio Valley Wrestling. And that was Randy became a huge star. John Cena, one of the biggest. Brock Lesnar, Batista. But the indie guys were Samoa Joe. AJ Styles, CM Punk, and Brian Danielson, I feel. And they kind of went through the different waves around the WWE, and eventually a lot of them made their way in. Oh, all of them actually made their way in there. That's a question. Do you think Samoa Joe's like, fuck? Like, I I probably shouldn't have gone back to NXT. I He might feel that way once they start touring. <laughs> but right now he's just living in Florida and uh... – getting paid a lot of money to uh, not wrestle. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, if I was, I guess Joe, maybe he doesn't care as much, you know? Um, maybe he's a lot of, of, maybe he has a lot of love for NXT. I feel like eventually NXT, like once they sell out the Disney and WWE, like, you know, they're going to fuck over Hunter. He's going to be like, all right, I'm taking my goddamn thing. I'm making my own fucking promotion. Keep you on fucking some other channel. Fuck you guys. And then he'll go and NXT will be its own thing. Well, I mean, like he's known AJ for forever, right? And um, a lot of the other Impact guys that are there, like Bobby Roode. And um, I'm sure he, I mean, he's, he loves doing the the stuff he does with the new day on, um, was up, up, down, down. So, I mean, there may be other reasons why Joe would, be more willing to stay that's non-wrestling related. I mean, Joe has nothing to prove at this point. Unless yeah. he just wants to go to the fucking Tokyo, like win at the Tokyo Dome. 
Um, I mean, I would love to see him get a WWE title run. I don't think it's ever going to happen, but I mean, I mean, Joe's already held the title in Ring of Honor. He held the title in Impact. I don't know that it means a whole lot if he goes to AEW. And I mean, it would be fun because I love Samoa Joe, but I've also really loved what Samoa Joe's doing on NXT. So I, yeah. if that was his decision, I'm completely fine with it. With the uh, with the uh, disc- uh, the disconnect that it seems that was reported. Um, I think it was either Ryan Satter or maybe it was Sean Ross Sapp about NXT talent. Basically not being happy, but also saw it coming a, a million miles away with Karrion Cross losing to Jeff Hardy, who we all love Jeff Hardy, but has been jobbing out obviously constantly and then gets a fucking roll up with his assisted feet on the ropes, the baby face. Not only that, one of the biggest baby faces in professional wrestling of all time doing that to beat Karrion Cross after being basically built up as like a, a a dark Bill Goldberg and on this undefeated streak. Apparently a lot of them are pissed off, Chris. You know, I hate to say it, but with them kind of keeping people like Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano on NXT, I wonder if there's ever going to come a time being like, fuck this. Like, we're friends with so-and-so over there. They're making a bunch of money and making a bigger splash and impact on their career. I'm going to go to fucking AEW as soon as my contract's up. I, I think that Vince doesn't realize what the fuck's going on, which I think we've said a million times about him in many different aspects. I mean, you could say that, but if NXT is paying them good money and they're at the top of the card, do you really want to go get lost in the shuffle at AEW? I mean, people are already bitching about two other people being brought in, and those names are Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. Are they going to bitch about like someone like Adam Cole being brought in? You know what I mean? Or Chapa being I'll brought collect- in? I'll collect their tears in a fucking jar and drink it. I don't <laughs> fuck them. So sorry. So it's I, like it's like it's like if you were on Nitro and you're like Blitzkrieg is getting underutilized. He's pushed to the side because of fucking Scott Hall. What the hell, man? He's not on <laughs> TV anymore. I mean, but you get what yeah, but you get what I'm saying. Eventually, what'll what'll happen is people will have to start going to NXT from AEW. So I mean, expect talent to switch around. Right now, you know, don't know this, but Hunter is actually all elite. <laughs> Hunter, <laughs> Triple H is just, all elite. I'm trying to get some licensings for the NXT, so it's mine, because Vince doesn't even know that, that he doesn't have them. It's so fucking crazy, but, uh, you know. If, 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 Triple H, if Triple H leaves, does he take all the Metallica songs with him? Because you know that's totally fucking Triple H. You guys, you guys can't use Metallica, and you can't use Motorhead, so fuck you. <laughs> Oh, I love Triple H. He's so fun to talk about. I feel bad for the guy. Um, Me too, man. <laughs> there's no way that Triple H watched have sympathy towards Triple H in the future after his shovel style years. Yeah, the king of shovel style himself, Triple H. Um, it's just weird because you watched NXT before they put it on. I mean, me and you both watched NXT when it was still on NXT, like on the network. And was this great one-hour show, well put together with good fucking wrestling and bringing in good wrestlers. A lot of them went to the main roster, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Samoa Joe, uh, Nakamura, etc. That was all Triple H, and you know that he's like the second guy on Raw, and he's got to be sitting somewhere knowing that this is bad. You know what I mean? Like, he's watching the show, and he's like, this is fucking – I have higher – 
regard for Triple H, I guess, because I feel like he's had a lot of good wrestling matches and and does understand in-ring psychology. So there's no way he watches fucking Raw and goes, this was a great show. Oh, yeah. And not only that, I mean, the thing is, you can – I think it also – a lot of times when people have – I feel uh, some annoyance with the wrestler. A lot of them are heels and it's like, well, guys, they were trying to be a bad guy the whole entire time that you were watching when they're on top. But I mean, to me, when it comes to WWE attitude era, Triple H is the, I would even put him over Mick Foley. He was right after fucking uh, Austin and rock as the most important member of that. And he was one of the head guys going forward for ruthless aggression and the PG era too. So you know, and the fact that he's contributed so much towards bringing these talent, like you said, uh, a lot of those Ring of Honor darlings uh, from the late 2010s, whether it be, you know, Sammy, Kevin, whoever. And they were treated pretty well at one time, especially the women. But my God, he must have when that when Keith Lee lost to fucking uh, even Bobby, I understand he's a champion. But like, why would you bring back Keith Lee to lose to Bobby Lashley on his first return? There's there's got to be a lot of him smacking his fucking head. Uh, and it, his champion, his champion, not having the entrance, not having the valet that he set up and then losing in like two minutes to Jeff Hardy. Like, that's so stupid. That's like basically Vince printing NXT on toilet paper and wiping his ass with it. Yeah, the weirdest thing about that is like, well, what the hell? What was the fucking point? No Scarlett Boudreaux. You're going to bring him up to the main roster. He gets a roll up to Jeff. I love Jeff. Um, but they've already shown us they're not going to push Jeff to the title picture, so I don't understand why that was even a he match. He was a losing streak. A fucking losing streak. I'm still baffled that Jeff re-signed with WWE. <laughs> so, Dude, I, how much was the money that they offered him to stay on the sidelines, basically? Yeah, they really did not want him and Matt to be in AEW. Is, is you how I gathered that. Though. I'm sure you popped for that. That was probably the only yes. good thing about that segment. Well, I mean, I I don't even mind that Jeff Hardy got a roll-up win. I, I hate people are calling it a burial. It's not a burial of Karrion Cross. I think it's a waste of Karrion Cross more so than a burial. Um, Just a stupid – why would Jeff Hardy, one of the biggest baby faces of all time, not only roll up but use the ropes for leverage to help him win? That's so out of character of him. It doesn't make any goddamn sense. Maybe he's going to turn heel. I mean, Hill Jeff Hardy is great. So if they're going to do it's that, I... or he can come back as Willow. Oh shit. That'd be great. Right. What was my fa- My wife's favorite is Itchweed. Yeah. <laughs> of his personalities. Maybe he'll come back as Itchweed. Also shout out to Jeff Hardy. I met him at a meet and greet. I think I've talked about this before, but just a really, really nice fucking guy. Uh, One of, my favorite, of all time for sure. Um, the last thing, Kind of coinciding, and they, they were talking about this on Wrestling, and I thought it was very interesting. Uh, when they did the AEW Dynamite after show, there was announced on there, and I'll bring it up now so I don't forget it later. And I said it, I think, at the top of the show, uh, Tony Khan is going to make a big announcement this next week, and it's going to involve some type of show in the future. So no one knows what the hell that is. It could be maybe that big, you know, what they're doing with Elevation, but actually, like, with all the all the companies – Kind of like promoting with what what uh, Bound for Glory is going to be like a lot of coming, but officially under the AEW banner. But then they brought up something that I thought was very interesting, and this could just be like a potential fuck you. So if they start this, 
you know, the Clash of Champions concept of not having a call Clash of Champions, but having these little mini pay-per-views on a day of the week that they haven't announced. Um, what if they decided to try the first one, say, in October, Chris, on a Monday? You know, they, 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 they make all these announcements, and they decide, this is only going to be a one-time thing, so it's not really trying to go head-to-head with WWE for ratings. They're just seeing if they can make a little stir as a fuck you for the NXT thing. What if they put their first mini-pay-per-view on TNT on a Monday going head-to-head against WWE Raw for the first two hours? When is it? When is this supposed to be taking place, like, time-wise? We don't know. It's just going to be – he said that he's going to have – it's kind of like what he's doing with the Fighter Fest on television, but a longer-formatted version – uh, specifically on TNT once they make the move to TBS with the main shows. I mean, I'm hoping the announcement is that Khan also buys Impact. And that would be awesome, too. And they do a... They bring in Impact guys like Ace Austin versus Sammy Guevara, um, which I would love. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff they could do, but as far as going head-to-head with Monday Night Raw... Yeah... I think the fan bases are two different fan bases. I think we're starting to see that. <laughs> I don't know that it's going to matter for think either about company. The depletion of ratings with Raw and the increase with AEW, the potential of them signing someone like a CM Punk and a Daniel Bryan, and the fact that they don't have to schedule these mini pay per views every time on Monday. They can just try it out for the first time. Like I said, literally to take away from Raw's ratings and be like, we're here, bitches. Like, just to let you know. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it would be, it's interesting to think about. I, I personally wouldn't do it. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like people shouldn't just piss in Vince's yard. Well, maybe um, it'll wake up the fucking sleeping uh, old man. Good lord. After hearing about the exact scripts that they have for their show, did you hear about this, Chris? Like a fucking 30-page script with actual uh, stage direction of how the wrestlers are supposed to act and it's good to know that some of these wrestlers like Edge don't just take the fucking material. They go out and just do their thing. But it was almost block by block, beat for beat, exactly how the right. It's a literal written fucking script, Chris, for a wrestling show. And this was SmackDown, and I like SmackDown. Do you remember what happened to the last company that pissed in Vince's yard? He he burned them to the ground and fucking and, and bought them <laughs> and then bought the other entity just for the hell of it. Uh, that was the third one. <laughs> Um, just cause he could. Yeah, no, I, I get that, but you know, I don't think Vince flex when impact tried to go against them and they had Hulk Hogan. So I'm just fun. It, it would be funny to see Tony kind of smile with the big finger. Like, yeah, we're just going to do it right here. Just gonna, but either way, whatever his announcement is should be big. And we're going to potentially be seeing CM Punk and Brian Danielson on the roster. Final thoughts before we move on. Uh, well, when Bischoff went head to head with raw live, uh, Vince stacked those Raw shows. I know a lot of people are like, he didn't care and didn't do anything, but if you go by, back and watch some of those shows when Bischoff was like, we're going to be on Monday, uh, that went fucking terrible for him. <laughs> it went very, very badly. And I mean, they had people like Steiner, Booker T, Kurt Angle, etc. Um, during that time period. So, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't, it doesn't really matter. Do we still need this pissing contest at this point? I mean, because well, con the cons have more money than Vince. Like, what what is the contest about? Like, do you want to put a good wrestling product out, or is it a pissing contest? I mean, you've yelled about this in the past. Like, 
look, dude, if you're upset about WWE, we get it. Whatever. It let's move past it. They're two separate companies. You can like whichever one you like. You don't have to watch both. If you hate, if you hate one of them, stop watching it. You know, like Raw. I don't watch all of Raw anymore because it's terrible. terrible. Um, but yeah. Yep. It's, uh, I don't know that. I mean, I guess they could do that. It's, a class of champions would be interesting. I would love for them to do it more like NWA did their tournament, which I've been a huge fan of, like the the tag tournament they did. Um, something like that with cross-brand promotion. I, like I said, I hope the big announcement is you're going to get an actual full crossover with Impact and AEW where you see more than, you know, just the elite. Uh, so maybe you get Moose versus Miro or something. You know what I mean? Like that would be more intriguing to me than them going head to head with with Raw. Um, because I mean, if you are a fan of both shows, like the only person, the only people that benefit from that are people that are only fans of one brand, so they can talk about it on Twitter. Because if you're a well, wrestling fan and you watch all of it, you might want to watch them separately. Because- I think that the whole concept of a jolt and adrenaline and him actually trying to fucking make Raw better uh, because there's some potential, you know, I'm not saying, like I said, this was only suggested one time thing just to prove that they're there. And this is obviously nothing that's happening. Uh, it's, it's also, it's not going to be Clash of Champions. It's just, that's what they're, it, they're comparing it to that because obviously they don't have the rights. Um, you know, Cody gave up all that so he could be called Cody Rhodes again which I think, does he still, I don't even know. I don't fucking know. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that I would like to see Vince a little bit more enthused. That, that's all I'm saying. And, and maybe like seeing this new entity and him be like, ah, you know, he would actually fucking try because, I mean, let's face it. Fox has a better product for SmackDown than Raw, the flagship show for all these years. And one of the things that we hear constantly is that Vince is not at a lot of SmackDowns. So even though he has to do with, obviously, he's the final say-so in the script, you know, people like Triple H and Edge and, and Bruce Pritchard, they're all fucking heading the writing for that shit. And I think it shows uh, compared to, you know, even if writers are making a 30-page script, um, Raw needs something, man. It's it's going down. It's it's every week. It's The ratings are failing. It's just, I want WWE to put more of an effort into it. And if it takes something like Vince having some type of competitive drive maybe you know i mean he's getting old so i I don't know even if there is some type of 80 weeks type of nonsense which there wouldn't be you know um i don't know if he'd live to be able to buy out adw is that a fucking fucked up thing to say well i mean i think about raw is you could easily swing the ratings by not having bobby lashley be your fucking top guy you could have put the title on Kofi. You could put it on Matt Riddle. You could put it on someone that's more entertaining that people would care more about. I know that like the internet community and stuff likes Lashley, but to a general viewing audience, like my wife doesn't. She likes almost better than <laughs> Lashley. You know what I mean? Like you have to think about it from general viewing, right? And uh, Lashley getting dominant heel wins for a long period of time, I, I don't think matters. And I don't think that him and Goldberg are going to move the needle. Their only savior is that they're going to get Lesnar versus Lashley at some point, And Lesnar will pop the ratings back up and it'll, it'll be about the same as SmackDown more than likely. But I mean, SmackDown has definitely benefited by Fox being like, no, we get Roman Reigns. 
when they signed that contract. I mean, they, they've definitely benefited by a Roman Reigns heel turn. And that's the whole show. The whole show is, is the fucking Roman Reigns show. Everything else is just filler on SmackDown. Essentially, yeah. Just crazy times, but um, should we start getting some uh, Slammiversary uh, reviewing? Yes, I, I do want to say, because I don't think we're going to talk about it. And there's, I mean, we are, we briefly mentioned Jay White earlier, but his promo from this week's Impact uh, was fucking incredible. I love Jay White. We'll, we'll talk about that after we go over the show. I got that actually pulled up, the word for word promo. So hold tight. Because that definitely has to do with the show itself. Uh, but, dude, Slammiversary, Chris, I got to say, man, I was very – I mean, I think that they – when it comes to Bound for Glory, Slammiversary, and maybe – I can't remember the other big one. They really try to go all out, and uh, they did, man. And it was a very big standpoint that Gail Kim talked about on, um, on Busted Open that they want to work with everyone. They had people from Ring of Honor because Chelsea signed with them. They had people from, at least at the time, NWA with Thunder Rosa coming in, who I didn't see coming at all. And then Mickey James, obviously, afterwards. Uh, people from AW, obviously, with, with Kenny. And, and this this was a, a pretty big deal. And AAA. I forgot who was the AAA person, but someone made like a all these people were here. And New Japan, obviously, with Jay White. So Bound for Glory, that that's all that was, basically. Like They had the logos of all the promotions. And it looks like that's going to be somewhat of a super event. And, you know, with Chelsea Green showing up, which we kind of knew, but all the other surprises that we got peppered in throughout the night. And then to end it with the current leader of, of, of Bullet Club coming out at the end and showing some friction towards the last leader, Kenny Omega. Pretty good stuff. It was a really great pay-per-view. I actually think I liked it a little better than Money in the Bank, though Money in the Bank had uh, some technical issues, and I haven't gotten to go back and re-watch that men's uh, Money in the Bank match, because I think I missed the first four minutes of this. Did this happen to you as well? Oh, yeah. It started fucking up. I had to go back in and restart it and shit, and finally came on right at the beginning of the match. Uh, I did get a like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from WWE saying WWE and Peacock fix your shit, <laughs> which was pretty funny. Uh, so they were definitely aware. But um, yeah, I mean, I did you like this pay-per-view better than Money in the Bank, I guess? Um, I think so, actually. I, I think they were both pretty good, but, you know, it's awesome having uh, John back. But we all saw that coming. That's been reported for a while now. And I really was happy with not only Impact being like, hey, we're going to be the the infinity gauntlet of all these other promotions coming on here to to hang out with us, if you will. Um, I thought it was really I thought it was really good. Uh, Heads up to Scott Demore. I know Don Callis isn't officially a head person, but he's still working with them as a talent. So him, Tommy Dreamer and whoever, maybe Tony Khan, whoever helped out put that show together. They did a fucking excellent job and uh, good job for impact. Cause you know, the thing that you can count on usually is that they're going to put together a good slammiversary and a good bound for glory. Yeah. I, I thought it was one of their stronger shows. It was, it was very entertaining to watch, man. And I came away feeling like after watching money in the bank, if you take away that flair 
uh, God, why can't I think of her name? If you take away that match, I don't know that I would even put it in the same category as yeah. uh, what Slammiversary was. I, I had more fun watching Slammiversary. What I'm saying to the people out there listening is, if you haven't watched the Slammiversary pay per view, go check it out. I'm, you know, it was it was pretty it was pretty fucking good. Um, there was some disappointing stuff on the Money in the Bank pay per view, but it it got brought up by the last three matches being really really good. Agreed. Well, let's go into this. We start off with I caught the end of this match because I thought all I didn't know there was a pre-show match, and I definitely didn't think they were putting the uh, knockout championship um, on there because you know they've built Fire and Flava, who were the champs at the time, two-time champions. Uh, I think this might be leading to Kira Hogan, who's a great baby face. She was really great working with Rosemary and Allie uh, before becoming heel and forming this thing with Tasha Steeles. I feel like they might be having a, a dissension within um, maybe a, po- a, a possible one-on-one style thing. But I was really happy to see Decay. I basically got the the end of the match when I turned it on. But seeing um, Rosemary and Havoc win the titles, I think Rosemary now has won all women's titles uh, throughout that now with these tag ones. And, uh, I mean, Decay having... Havoc and Rosemary as the tag champions. That's pretty cool. So uh, I'm always down for Rosemary winning, Chris. Me too. And I think uh, Havoc shined in this match. And I've not been a huge fan. Uh, but the hot tag at the end with the tombstone was pretty good finish to this match. I enjoyed it. It's going to be cool to see the uh, Decay with with belts. <laughs> yeah. Very strange. But um, first match to open the show, 15 minutes, awesome uh, Impact X Division uh, Ultimate X match. Uh, Josh Alexander retained as a champion, going against Ace Austin, Chris Bay, Petey Williams, Rahit Raju, and Trey Miguel. I thought this was a two. I thought that either Ace Austin or Chris Bay were going to win this, uh, but Josh ended up winning. So, kind of some weird spots that they went for, but they were trying some new things, like with that. Uh, that long extended submission thing, you know, I know that probably would like make some people roll their eyes, but I thought they set it up naturally where it kind of didn't look so perfect or, or performed. It kind of like, they try to make it look as, as real as possible with one guy hanging from the X division shit while another person held him and another person held him and all that shit. But I thought it was a really good match, man. And, uh, I mean, they had a, just to give you a little bit of a follow up from, uh, impact this last week but um kenny omega went past josh alexander and basically josh promoting himself as the actual impact champion since he signed with impact and kenny kind of got in his face so uh, that'd be kind of cool if we get at least a match between the two of them also after the match and this was released online and also shown on impact chris bay got an offer uh to be a part of a club he joined uh recently uh he just looked in his locker and found a bullet club shirt And that was obviously promoted on the program with Jay White asking Chris Bay to join. I'm a really big Chris Bay fan. Uh, He's kind of he comes off look wise like Kofi Kingston, obviously. That's but he's a great heel, and I've really enjoyed his and Trent and Ace Austin all their growth on this product. Some of the younger great talent they have. But um, happy for uh, for Josh Alexander to retain, man. I thought it was a good exhibition match. Do you think it was kind of wacky with some of the spots they went for? 
it was a little wacky with some of the spots they went for. And Petey Williams and Ace Austin, I think, carried a lot of the load of the match as far as selling goes. <laughs> um, I lo- did you like the did you like the finish with Ace uh, getting hitting getting hit with a springboard? <laughs> I thought it. I thought this was a very fun match, and I mean they're always really good. And I I think the uh, X division in Impact is slept on because I feel like Ace Austin and Chris Bay, as you mentioned, have very, very bright futures in the wrestling world. Um, they're, they're, they they kind of remind me of certain people from Ring of Honor that got way bigger after they left Ring of Honor. Yeah. And, dude, I mean, Bullet Club's building over here. You know, their U.S. side of things now has not just the Grills of Destiny, which is awesome. Um, but now Jay White's here, ELP's over here, Chris Bay's now a new member, and Kenta's all over here in the States. So, you know, we're, we're going to get to it, but we're going to have potentially some really cool elite versus. I'm glad that after it abruptly ended and we never got, you know, to finish that story in New Japan, that impacts like, fuck it, we'll bring it over here and make it a huge storyline. And they're really trying to flesh it out, it seems. Basically, Chris Bay's an excellent member for the Bullet Club, I think. Yeah, I think he's a good get, and that's it. it if they're going to be doing a long-term thing on Impact, and, and I guess we're going to get into it a little later, it makes a lot of sense they would put him there because they're not going to be able to bring over a lot of people from Japan. Um, as we talked about last week with the COVID situation, they almost they they've been they, even 72 hours before the Olympics or whatever they were trying to cancel the Olympics in Japan. So things are not going uh, great, but yeah, I mean, I think he's a great get, right? Like that's, I'm excited for the bullet club, especially knowing grill is a destiny are out there in the wild. And apparently Alex Shelley is, is healthy. So I really am looking forward to what that tag division is going to look like here in a few weeks. Oh yeah, definitely. I completely agree with you. We had a fun intergender tag team match. Um, Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green uh, went against and defeated Brian Myers and Tanil Dashwood. Tanil had Caleb with a K in her corner. Brian Myers, his up-and-coming protege, both shoot and work within their Sam Beal. Um, so heels had a lot of, you know, chances to interfere. But Chelsea's not sh- or shine in this, man. Uh, she might have a broken wrist, but she was kind of using that as an advantage, and they can't really do anything because, obviously, hey, man, it's, you know, it's just trying to fix it. But um, she came back as a hot mess. I like that little touch because she used to be Laurel Van Ness on the show. And, um, you know, uh, I guess in the industry, some people can look past the past because, obviously, Tennille and Matt were together at one point in time. So they were cool at making this a storyline, which, you know, props to them. Uh, for for doing that, and uh, yeah, just thought it was a fun match, man. It was a fun match. I I don't know that I necessarily would have Chelsea Green hitting a destroyer on Brian Myers, but outside of that, um, it was entertaining. It was good to see Chelsea Green back, and uh, she ended up getting the big win at the end. So they put her over. It's the whole storyline with Matt Cardona, Brian Myers, and Chelsea Green in general is just weird if you are a fan of their wrestling major figures podcast because they're like best friends. So that, yeah. I mean, that that's taken it out. The feud for me is kind of just like, okay, well they're, they're legitimately best friends. They haven't done a good job. 
in my opinion, of building it like you have like with Sami Zayn and, and Kevin Owens, who are really, really great friends, right? But they do a good job of building that feud. This just doesn't necessarily come across that way. But I agree with you. Tanel Dashwood, I think, was a good person to bring in to the fold to the fold for this match. But I mean it was fun. And it was uh for an intergender tag match, and the one thing I appreciate about appreciate about Impact is they have no problems with a you know a female athlete getting like putting an ass whipping on a dude, <laughs> which I'm fine with. Nope. I think Charlotte Flair could beat up a lot of the <laughs> WWE roster. <laughs> I, you know that one of my my dream matches that will probably never happen is her and AJ in a match. And I'm not talking about AJ Lee. I'm talking about AJ Styles because I think they would have an awesome match. They would fucking well, Charlotte would kill. They would kill each other, but it would be a great fucking match because they would do so much. That would be amazing. Hope maybe one day we'll get that match in AJ's backyard of Gainesville, Georgia. You know, over here in Gainesville, we don't hate women. So, um, but yeah, good stuff. Next match, 11 minute match, man. Really impressed by W. Morrissey, but I got to give the props where it's due. Eddie Edwards, he's great at selling. I mean, he's become such a great baby face since Davey, uh, you know, turned on him so many years ago. And just uh, I really feel like Tommy Dreamer specifically reinvigorated his character and helped him get past just kind of being a bland baby face into someone. Well, even Eddie's size is, is uh, kind of Tommy-esque. Um, I can say that cause I'm a, I'm a little bit bigger and, but Eddie could kick my ass and he has way more muscles than me. So sorry, Eddie Edwards, but, uh, I thought Eddie did exactly what he was supposed to do and made W Morrissey look like a monster and they had a fun follow-up parking lot brawl, uh, on impact. So this is not over between the two of them. And I like Eddie Edwards and, um, dude, I mean, he does look like giant edge, but, uh, big cast W Morrissey, man, he's, he's looking yoked and, uh, the best in the ring I think I've ever seen him, man. Yeah, this is by far his best work. I mean, I, I liked him and Enzo as a tag team. I thought that was fun. But, like, in ring-wise and being a dominant big guy, I mean, he's moving around the bitch very surprisingly because didn't he tear his ACL? And that was, like, part of the reason he got let go from WWE. Yep. So, I mean, it's good to see him back. And he's been a... Uh, for me, kind of a shining star on that show and someone I could see them doing a lot more with. I would love if the real one shows up at some point, um, even if it's just a one-off match. But him and Eddie Edwards, that's a good – for what they're doing with Morrissey, I think it's a good uh, let's do this to get him there. But Morrissey hasn't lost yet, right? He's undefeated. So I yeah. feel like uh, you know Edwards is probably just going to be eating a couple pins. But it, it it's been fun. It's been a fun story. And at this point in Eddie's career, I ha- I don't think he has problems putting over other people. Um, you know, he's past two-time champion, tag champion for however many times as the Wolves. You know, it's it's more about even if it's someone like a big cast coming over to this product, building the product for the future. Um, he's Mister. He he waves that fucking Impact flag. I, I would say like Jay Lethal waves a Ring of Honor flag. You know, we've already gone in those comparisons. Nick Aldis with NWA. Um, he's really a company guy and I really, dude, I, Tommy dreamer should get a lot more credit for being a very great creative person when it comes to what he's been able to help since coming over to impact, uh, in a capacity as a producer, uh, 
he does a lot for that that company. So thank you, Tommy, for everything you contribute. Yeah, and I, I think you made a great comparison um, with him and Jay Lethal kind of flying that flag, so to speak. And I, I would even say, you know, that goes back to Tommy Dreamer and ECW, right? Yep. He flew that flag for forever. Um, it's great to have that mentality, man. And I love watching Eddie Edwards, um, even in his older age. He's he's great. I would love to see an American Wolves reunion at some point. In yeah, the future. great. I'm glad Davey came out of retirement regardless. That's And it's a good get for MLW, but yeah, I would love to see them uh, in a tag team again. Uh, here's another match I really like. Oh, that's right. We had a little short match to get Finn Juice a win. Uh, Madman Fulton and Shearer were beating each other up. Uh, they weren't allowed to get involved in the X Division match. So basically Scott Demore is like, hey, we're going to have Finn Juice come out here and go, and go against you guys. And the two Giants got squashed in a minute 15. I don't know if I would have done that, especially – after you built Madman Fulton as his monster. But I think Shara got the uh, the loss anyways in the match. And Juice Robinson, David Finley, especially Juice, man, the audience likes them. I don't particularly think they're anything special. I'll admit that. But, hey, man, if it, it was another uh, surprise. They came back after being out of impact for the last month uh, when they lost the titles. So good to see them back. Yeah, I'm assuming Finn and Juice is going to be here for a while. Uh, that, I mean, that dials back to the New Japan thing because uh, Juice is still under contract with New Japan, I think. So they're going to be on New Japan Strong. Hey, man, New Japan Strong, now that all these people are coming over here, it's becoming more uh, for me to want to watch the weekly product. So good job on them. If they've got Finn Juice over here, Kenta, Grills of Destiny, Jay White's now, you know, it's a good roster. Yeah, Team Filthy might be in trouble. <laughs> there's a lot of good fucking people uh i'm excited i i really want jy versus uh filthy tom so i hope they make that happen in the near future but this is uh i like i like finn and juice uh i hate the tag name because impact has such great <laughs> team names and faction names we have like decay and violent by design and then finn juice <laughs> it's just but it, it, Juice Robinson's great, man. I I think he's uh he's gonna be forever stuck being a mid card, but he he's a great wrestler. I love watching when, especially like his G1 shit in the past. Yep, and a big thing coming out of this, I, I I didn't know this, but apparently David Finley recently got a win over Jay White, and that's one of the main reasons he's over here to to put it to him. So. It's uh it's interesting. Um, I don't know about you, Chris, but until we get to the last two matches, this next match was my favorite, uh, with Chris Sabin uh, beating Moose by pinfall in a really great 12-minute match. Moose still really impressing me with his athletic abilities and getting just faster, better, stronger. Uh, wait, that's a song I think. Uh, but obviously, if you're working with Chris Sabin, it's gonna be good, and he got the win. <laughs> They're gonna continue this rivalry. It looks like they're going down that road uh, with what they had on Impact this last week. So, hey, man, I am looking forward to it if that's the case because they're they're also two of the other guys that you kind of associate with Impact Wrestling within the company right now. So what you're trying to say is back before OJ had Isotoners? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Shout out to Yay. Um, <laughs> Oh man. Uh so yeah, this was a great match and, and Chris Sabian, he uh 
he channeled his inner AJ Styles and made Moose look like a million bucks. But like you said, Moose has been great as of late. And uh, the only sad thing about Moose losing here is I really want another Moose Kenny Omega match at some point in the future. Yep. But has Moose had a bad match this year? I feel like every match he's been in has been really good and fun to watch. He's been kicking ass for a while, man. And it's not even just he kind of was bland for a long time on the mic. Very monotone. When he took this heel persona within the last year and a half, his mic skills, confidence, everything about him, he's turned himself into a pretty good wrestling superstar, I would say, for their product. Shout out to an older episode of ours, but did we ever figure out who took a shit in Moose's boot? Someone call, someone call Jomo and let us know. Johnny, I think it was shot in Blackheart, and she recorded it. <laughs> uh, for everyone out there listening, check out our interview with John Morris, and he talks about someone taking a shit in Moose's boot for no reason. <laughs> that was a great part of the interview. Um, yeah, uh, it, but good stuff. Uh, next match. Tag Team Championship match, four-way. Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, defeated and picked up the titles from the past champions, Violent by Design, Joe Doring and Rhino. And they they had, obviously, Dean and Eric Young in their corner. And then Rich Swan and Wooly Mack. And then uh, Follow Bob with No Way Jose! Which, hey, man, with all the stuff that they gave us, I had no problem No Way Jose uh, coming in or being... That's a good comedic character that Impact will utilize. Um, I like No Way Jose. You know, he just didn't really get to do anything past what he's probably going to be doing in Impact. But, you know, uh, they didn't win, so it didn't really matter anyways. But uh, I really thought that – I think that you picked Rich Swan and Willie Mack, and I thought that was going to be the case. But, I mean, it makes sense. You want the whole entire elite with the tag titles, both teams having tag titles, Kenny having all of his belts. Keep them collected, if you will. But big man, I really like Joe Doring. I need to check out his All Japan stuff. You know, I've only seen one match, and I thought uh, the guy really is. I kind of want to see him and Lance Archer to go against each other, just because there is such like a modern Bruiser Brody aspect in Lance Archer, and there's such a modern Stan Hansen aspect in Joe Doring. I think that would be a lot of fun in the future. But uh, good match, good brothers won. Chris. Every time I see Joe Doring, I just want him in NWA. I want yeah. him to be be the fucking guy that takes down Nick Aldis. I think he's great. He fits that company on the on the nose to me. He kind of has like a like the Tim Storm kind of vibe. I feel like that they would really get behind a Joe Doring if used properly. But uh, yeah, I was surprised that Rich Swan didn't get the win here. That was my prediction because. Jesus Christ, how many times is that guy going to lose? He was one of their biggest stars uh, before Kenny showed up. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't know. Um, might be a minute, but I do like him and Willie Mack. If they're not going to use him, give Willie the exhibition title like he's had a couple times now in the past or put Rich in uh, you know, title picture. Really, I think Willie should be going for that World Heavyweight title eventually, but that, he's one of my favorites and has been for a while. Um but, you know, they're going to try to get the tag belts, and I think that they definitely have potential to get it in the future. So, And unlike most I mean, products, they care about fucking tag wrestling over at Impact, it seems. 
Yeah, and knowing that Alex Shelley is going to be on a GCW event, you're assuming that Motor City Machine Guns are coming back for that. (laughs) (laughs) To finally give us the Good Brothers match that we didn't get, I would hope. Mm -hmm. And then maybe, depending on if they're going to do this Clash of Champions thing, hopefully they're in the Bucks again. Because, I mean, that's... That's and the you match could, the world needs. And if you get Motor City Machine Guns, just if they get the belts, which that would make a lot of sense, they call it the Young Backs. You don't have to put titles on the line. You can just have champions versus champion for, like, bragging rights, basically. Exactly. It just sucks that Bobby Roode's still under contract with WWE because I would love to get uh, <laughs> get beer money back together as well. Did Impact, like, have one of the best tag divisions or what, man? I mean, the young, young bucks, if you will, fucking uh, Motor City Machine Guns, the Wolves, uh, Beer Money. I I would say it was close between Ring of Honor and Impact, but Impact had uh, some big-ass tag teams, for sure. And definitely WWE during that time period, like, they had already lost the Hardys, the Dudleys. Like, that, that time period of WWE tag division is just abysmal, much like it kind of is now. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess like beer money, like, like even going to 2005 impact, they've always had like a pretty solid tag division when that shit even first started up. They they had some good tag teams. Not all of them were great wrestlers, but like, as far as tag teams go, you believe that the two people were either friends or partners, um, and had a reason to go after those belts. Agreed. All right, so here was a big match, followed by a big angle afterwards. Deanna Prazo, um, you know, she didn't know who she was going against. I think a lot of us thought Mickey James, uh, and we would have something involved with Mickey, which was awesome to add on to this. But Thunder Rosa, and who's now signed officially with AEW, I think she's still going to be working with NWA just because of the situation and family relationship. But her showing up on this, man. Didn't see that coming. They had an awesome match. Very technical base. Thunder Rosa, we've already praised Deanna. I think she's one of the best technical wrestlers out there right now. Thunder Rosa has not been in the industry for that long to be this good. She hasn't. And she had a great match, uh, but Deanna ended up winning. Mickey James would enter after the match, you know, interrupting her celebration, which pissed off Deanna Prazo. Uh, and she insulted Mickey and told her to to next time come out wearing a trash bag, making reference, obviously, to her uh, dismissal, being a little heelish. And with what happened uh, with Gail Kim coming out on this last episode of Impact, it looks, I think, Deanna said she's going to be there, but I think it's actually going to be a match against Mickey James, which I'm really excited about at Elevation, possibly for that Impact title, where I think Mickey would put over Deanna. Man, Deanna's really doing great. Thunder Rose and Deanna Peraza are up there with Britt Baker, Chelsea Green, some women outside of WWE that are making Im- an uh, impact, if you will, uh, outside of it. A hundred percent agree with you, man. I love Deanna. I can't believe WWE missed on her so fucking hard. Like, that's baffling to me. And she's good on the mic, man. We never heard her one time on the fucking mic in NXT. I, I, I fucking love Deanna Perrazzo and... Uh, she's been great for impact that women's division outs. I mean, 
Well, I actually would consider it a little stronger than NXT at this point, just because they keep giving us the same matches over and over and over again. Yep. But uh, I, I think that's probably the best women's division going. I mean, unless you're going to bring stardom into it, I guess. But uh, it's pretty fucking good. NXT UK is pretty good, too, but it's a very limited roster. And heads up to stardom, but they've lost a lot of their big, you know, gets within the last like couple of years with obviously Tony Storm. Now B. Priestley, uh, Mako Satomura, Mercedes Martinez, fucking Kerry Sane, obviously Oscar all the way back, you know. But yeah, I think Impact Man over NXT. I, I think I agree with that. Yeah, Kerry Hojo is going to be back in stardom, I'm assuming. I hope so, man. I hope Since... she didn't retire because of that whole situation. No, I think I think she's I'm assuming she's probably waiting until they can get full live crowds. But I've heard Stardom's done really well this year as opposed to New Japan, which is weird. But yeah, I mean, she's when she comes back to Stardom, that's going to be a huge fucking deal. All right. And the main event, man, awesome, almost 30 minute match between Kenny Omega and Sammy Callahan. This was definitely a death match. My biggest thing, and it's no offense to Nick Gage, please don't hurt me. Um, I've seen his way of doing this same match, and I feel like Sammy pulls off the audience, even being, he's essentially a heel, but he's still a babyface because he's an impact guy going against this evil champion that took their title. And the audience was into him. His psychology is great, man. He really is about making a situation like this so much more fierce. Um, I liked all the spots. Uh, I know that you're not supposed to like, I think, death matches, but I thought this was really well done. He using the pizza cutter on Kenny before Nick Gage even gets a chance to bring it out on fucking AEW this last week. But uh, they sliced each other. Kenny did so many spots that I did not expect him to do, especially in the shape he's been in as of recently. But uh, real trooper. And uh, I thought it was a fucking awesome match. Obviously, there was some bullshit uh, that led to the ending. Um, but you know, uh, I thought Sammy did great, and we'll talk about the Jay White stuff, obviously, after this. Uh, once again, Kenny had a great match, man. And Sammy Callahan held his own. Uh, I think the big difference between Nick Gage and Sammy Callahan is Nick Gage is believable as being a crazy person that might stab you in the face. Whereas Sammy Callahan just kind of looks like a dude personally like i've never gotten the infatuation with sammy callahan i think he's fine even back when he was in mlw i wasn't a huge callahan guy do you remember when he did that short run in nxt what the hell happened with that dane do you remember that yeah he was he was like the hacker or whatever uh solomon crow yeah um I don't know, man. It was a fine, it was a good match. I mean, I would, I'm more excited about Nick Gage, but uh, Kenny, Kenny deserves some praise. He's been working with the torn labrum, and he's also wrestling like two nights a week right now. Like he's been involved in both Impact and AEW constantly. He has this, uh, he's kind of got the Shawn Michaels Bret Hart thing going right now, where he's just wrestling hurt. So hopefully, um, once we get the title off him, he takes a good break. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think Take that's the titles. That, it's that New Japan old school work ethic, right? Like same thing with someone like Naito or uh, Tanahashi or 
Okada. They just work themselves to death. I just don't want to see Kenny's career be super short because he's overworking himself right now. You know, he, uh, he's been on, like I said, he's been on all the, every pay-per-view that's happened plus all of these shows. So uh, maybe give the guy a little bit of a break. Maybe, maybe just have him do some vignettes or something for a little bit. I dude, I completely agree with you. Um, and I think he will once we get through this. He's got a lot to get through, though. He's got three world heavyweight titles that all will fall off of him at some point. So, and he's going to want to put in an excellent match for all the matches leading up to all those endings, and as well as those last matches. So, Kenny's uh, a perfectionist, I would say. I would say so too, and that's why it makes like if you look at Ric Flair's career, that's what's so fucking incredible about it. Yep. is that he was able to do it night in and night out uh, and figure out a way to not absolutely destroy his body while doing it. And I think that's lost in modern wrestling a lot. Not that I'm taking anything away from Kenny. I think Kenny's been great. But, like, think about Ric Flair spots, right? Like, every Ric Flair match is very similar, but they're all slightly different enough that you want to watch them. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Kenny right now, he's incredible. He's incredible, man. He's him and Don Callis are great. I, I kind of wish they were just their own thing and it wasn't tied to the elite. Cause I don't like a lot of the goofy stuff they're doing, but, uh, Kenny has been really, really good. As good as we thought he was going to be when AEW first started and they're finally giving him what I expected his run would be. Yep. But you know who doesn't really appreciate Mr. Kenny Omega? Switchblade Jay White, who recently beat Tanahashi to become the Never Openweight Championship, which to me is like the Legends title over there because it's usually like put on someone like a Tanahashi or an Ishii or a Suzuki or Goto or just keep it on there for a couple months and then switch it off between y'all. But um, I'm liking I, I Jay with Filthy it. Tom was, I thought Filthy Tom was Never Openweight Champion. There's the never open weight champion and there's the new Japan strong open weight champion. They're separate. Uh, okay. Okay. That makes more sense. I was like, well, isn't that what Tom's doing? Uh, but yeah, no. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> so I would definitely recommend finding the uh, promo. Him, Jay White was right up there with Roman Reigns to me this week on impact. Just really going into and laying it out to uh, the bullet club. And uh, I like what they're able to approach. We kind of already talked about this a little bit. Getting back to this flavor that was left in New Japan that we didn't get the ending of, of the old guard versus the new guard, if you will. But Jay White being a, the new member, but getting all the older guys like Gorillas of Destiny and, and all of them ramped up against them. And, uh, you know, when it happened at the match, after the match, he comes out from his music, comes to the ring. They all try to sweet him, being Gallows, Anderson, and Kenny, now with all their championship belts on Impact, and Jay didn't. And before we go into his promo, though, Chris, they meant to do what they did. They meant to abruptly end Impact because they wanted to kind of, I guess, go back to like a big crazy thing that would happen on Nitro. So it was like a tip of the hat. Was that a smart idea? Because right at the end of it, we saw someone slide in the ring, and then the feet cuts. But apparently they were going for that. Well, no, it's a stupid idea. No one liked it when it happened on Nitro, and no one likes it now. <laughs> Why? If you paid $50 for this show to see, like, a two-second Jay White thing, 
wouldn't you be pissed? I mean, I didn't pay $50 for this, but if I did, I probably would be pissed. Um, so from that standpoint, no. But uh, ex exciting shit, to say the least. Yeah. All right, so then he would show up on Impact uh, and stake his claim. He first basically introduced himself. I got to say, like, I know that the modern wrestling audience love to get involved. Are we not? Are we gonna not pretend the fact that Jay White's one of the biggest heels in the industry? Because he wasn't nice to you people, but everyone was cheering on Switchblade. Clap, clap, Switchblade. Clap, clap. So that kind of uh, <laughs> was weird to me, Chris. Well, he's only a heel in Japan. In America, we cheer for him. That's that's how this works. Just like uh, you know, Ivan Dragoff is probably a babyface in Russia. <laughs> Uh, no, all jokes aside, didn't didn't Jay take the title off Kenny in Japan, or was it Tanahashi? I can't remember. Right before Omega, like, uh, well, he beat him in this promo. He basically let him know, like, oh, you know, you think that you're under, you know, unbeatable, but I recall beating you not too long ago. And Kenny kind of retorted, like, you just lost to David Finley. Shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, I think he took that title off him, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because they like they had to flip it because Kenny, his contract was up in the air. He was either going to go AEW or WWE, which that the number that WWE offered him was stupid. It was a stupid amount of money, <laughs> but uh, it seems like it's worked out for Kenny, I guess. Uh, yeah, I mean Jay Jay's the one that can be like, hey. I beat you for the title, if that's the case. I mean, I think that's a great storyline, especially when you're talking about the belt collector. I thought it was going to be Okada. Um, but obviously, with the stuff they have going on in Japan, that seems that's probably going to take a while. But I feel like that'll eventually work out. I mean, we're going to get, at some point, we have to get Okada versus Omega again, right? Absolutely. I'm trying to find out who he dropped it to. Um, oh, no, you're right. Beat Kenny in the G1, but Kenny had the title, lost to Tanahashi, and Tanahashi lost to Jay White, and Okada beat him. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't remember it exactly. I remember that Jay beat him and then ended up with the title, but they had to speed that storyline up because they didn't think that Kenny was going to leave, uh, which sucked for New Japan. You can see why there were some hurt feelings there, losing Cody, the Bucks. Uh, who's the guy with the umbrella? Marty Scroll. Marty Scroll. I mean, they lost all of them all at one time, <laughs> which were like all guys they were building around, which completely sucks for New Japan. But um, yeah, I mean, he's like, hey, I beat you in the G1. I beat Tanahashi. Tanahashi beat you. There's there's a good storyline there. I hope they roll with that. Maybe they can get some footage from New Japan to show too of why I Jay White's badass. I would love a match with Jay White and Grills of Destiny especially if they pick up those tag titles again. I'm, they could have them again. They just they hop them around. But um, if it was God and Jay White against Kenny and the Bucks, that would be a lot of fucking fun. You and I both had him on our top ten best wrestlers last year, right, Jay? Um, No, I don't. I think he didn't make it because New Japan had that short run in uh, the pandemic era. They started up pretty late in it. We had him at, uh, on, was it best match we had him in? I think so. Anyways, check out our, our end of the year review last year because we talked about Jay White quite a bit because he cut a fucking amazing promo. Um, dude, that guy is 
that guy's solid gold. I know WWE was trying to sign him, but it seems like he's uh, got his own career path already carved out. And I would not be surprised if he's the guy that takes the title from Kenny as far as the impact title goes. Well, if they're working with them, you know, might as well try to go down that route. But yeah, Jay White's promo, man, uh, calling out the Bullet Club, uh, saying that there was guys doing uh, Bullet Club greatest hits and that he wanted to thank all the big Bullet Club fans in attendance. And when the audience started chiming in with praise, said, you know, I appreciate that, but not talking about you guys. I'm talking about this elite and kind of just going into details of uh, basically saying that, you know, the only reason that Anderson and Gallows are relevant is because they were in the Bullet Club. And uh, they've used some variation of club something to keep themselves relevant or going back with past members, probably pertaining to Finn Balor and AJ Styles, but they couldn't say that, whatever. But, um, <laughs> you know, just just bringing that up. And then when Kenny and Don Callis came out, I loved uh, Don Callis retort going back and forth with Jay White, saying that he's really good, but a son of a bitch and, you know, putting it on him. And now the the other side is like, oh, OK, kid. We try to use the Bullet Club name. We made it fucking what it is, and you jumped on at the end. I love this argument, and like I said, Chris, I'm really happy that we're getting the end to that feud that was built up in New Japan a couple of years ago. I, I I love it too, and I 100% want good guy Tamatanga to show up and ask where their pimp is in reference to AJ Styles. <laughs> Because that is some shit he would do. He was like, you guys didn't even want to work here. Didn't you sign some kind of contract everyone heard about? You know Tamatanga is going to bring the thunder. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I, this is all good shit, man. This is what everyone wanted. Right? Are people... Ex- I'm excited about this. I haven't paid a lot of attention to the online wrestling community recently. But is everyone really hyped about the fact that Gorillas of Destiny are going to show up? And no, I, I get elite versus club because I mean that's what they're building to. Honestly, if anyone's bitching about this, put your head under a pillow for a little while. I'm not saying keep it on there, but my lord, scream if you have to, because I don't get it. Because I really feel like Impact's gonna be not must watch, but it could be on that level if that's becoming the show where we get to see the elite interact with the Bullet Club. And I feel bad for maybe a little bit of the roster for Impact, but. In the greater scheme of things, if that builds up your ratings and helps build up your show, I don't see it as a problem. That's a huge storyline. Yeah, I agree with you. And as long as they my my entire thing about this is it needs to be more of a give and take. Like AEW should be sending talent to impact, honestly, for the trade off of, of the storyline they're building, which will eventually, I'm assuming, conclude on AEW, um but outside of that i mean this is incredible man this is this is what everyone wanted right like everyone wanted anderson and gallows and well they wanted aj styles anderson and gallows to show up at on AEW, but they got two right and now we're getting the might, that everyone was looking you. for but uh you know I'm still just hoping the Motor City Machine Guns sneak in there. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Maybe they can join the Bullet Club. <laughs> I'm praying, man. The, apparently, the Bullet Clubs are the good guys now. So <laughs> that's the only problem, though. 
Back when this was positioned last time, Kenny and Bucks were obviously the good guys in New Japan with these fucking Bullet Club guys that turned on them. And now Jay White, and I guess we're going to cheer for Jay White, ELP, Kenta, Girls of Destiny, Chris Bay, who's been a heel in Impact the whole entire time. So it's, it's, a, it's a little strange. I'll admit that. <laughs> we're all the heroes of our own story, right? <laughs> because, like, while we... I, I, Chris, I think I might have lost you, buddy. You completely cut out. Oh, I oh. was gonna say we're we're all we're all the uh, we're all the heroes of our own story, right? So, like, did New Japan fans consider Omega the babyface versus Okada? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know, man. The the Bullet Club's so weird. I. In America, the uh, the Bullet Club is Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, right? I mean, I know AJ was there, Nakamura was there, et cetera. They built that, and that's fine. But when Nakamura, people think about the Bullet Nakamura is chaos. He was on the one with uh, Okada and all them. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. You're right. Um, but do people really think fondly back to the AJ Styles Bullet like? I feel like Kenny Omega in the match with Okada is what made people pay attention to the Bullet Club. Yeah. No, I, I the four generations, and I kind of consider it, I know that there's generals. Like, I know that Cody was trying to gun for leadership. That didn't happen. Mountain Cole did the same thing. Maybe Marty could be considered that. Carl Anderson was definitely AJ's general. Uh, but there's been four fucking leaders. And I think maybe Kenta and um, Evil are kind of like that. There's been the Prince Devitt era in Balor. The AJ era, which Kenny was his right-hand man, Kenny fucked him over, so the Omega era, and then White's era. Those have been the four leaders, to me, of Bullet Club. Yeah, I agree with you there. It's, uh, yeah, I, it, just Kenny in the box and, and Cody, they definitely, they made brought that it to a new level. Brought it to a new level. I mean, the Bullet Club was always the Bullet Club in Japan or whatever, but I mean... It was mostly AJ Styles to me. Yeah. You know, like uh, Anderson and Gallows were fine as a tag team. They were okay. But, I mean, it was more about Tanahashi versus AJ Styles and, and AJ Styles versus Okada and AJ Styles versus Nakamura. It was more about AJ Styles than it was the Bully Club, if that makes sense. Yep. No, I totally agree. But uh, either way, awesome stuff. Um, within the industry, did not expect Switchblade Jay White to introduce this storyline on Impact. If you told me that was going to happen a year ago, I would have told you you were fucking crazy. But um, if he doesn't mind doing a long extended vacation uh, due to what's going on in his country, uh, which I think wasn't Okada a part of the uh, Olympic openings or whatever? Because sworn I heard that he was going to be a part of that on New Japan, but I could be wrong. But if uh, the Rainmaker oh. wants to come over here, he might have to stay for a while, but uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep him. To be a part of whatever. <laughs> he only wants to wrestle The Rock. <laughs> He's going to show up in WWE. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I heard that as well. I don't know what they did. They also talked about having Capcom have a thing with Mega Man and, and Street Fighter. So I don't know what all they did. I need to go back and watch the opening ceremony and see what happened with the um, the Olympic stuff. I, I need a. I know the the wrestling side of it's coming up, and I definitely want to see Gable Stevenson 
wit, bring home that uh that gold medal for the uh the Americans over here. So I'm definitely gonna be watching some actual Olympic wrestling, Chris, here in the future. Can you imagine they tried to take that out of the Olympics not that long ago? Remember when Kurt Angle had to like try to single handedly save amateur wrestling <laughs> so in the Olympics? We're talking about an event that has power walking as a sport. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And that was, remember, was it eight years ago when they had the uh, the new dream team, if you will? It was like Kobe and every fucking I think Rajad uh, or Rondo was on it. I believe I think Kobe was still there and, and LeBron younger, but they didn't fucking play him on any of the major stations. They were like playing fucking water polo. And I'm like, where the fuck's the basketball and the wrestling? Why aren't you guys fucking showing this shit? Idiots. Kobe don't show up till eight at night, bro. <laughs> you work around Kobe's schedule. <laughs> yep. Well, right, August 1st is uh, it'll be next Sunday will be the uh, wrestling tournament starting with the women's freestyle and uh, continuing after that with everything else. So maybe maybe we'll watch the next Sunday. Yeah. Fans out there listening. Let us know if you guys want us to do any coverage of that, because I am uh, I would be down to talk about that. Yeah, man. And, and with Gable and I, I believe his his brother, Mark, is signed to NXT and trained right now. He gets that gold medal. WWE is probably going to offer him a lot of money. And, you know, Kurt Angle's really high up on him. Brock Lesnar loves him, even though he beat all of his records in Michigan. He's apparently a big Gable fan, so is Paul Heyman. So, um, especially if he wins, regardless if he wins a gold medal, he's still gonna, I think he's going to do great unless he somehow gets injured. But uh, that would be a big get, I think, for WWE if he can pick is it he up. Big, is he bigger than Gable? Who? Uh, Gable Stevenson's bigger than Chad Gable? Oh, I'm sorry. I miss I misheard heard what you were saying. Sorry. My bad. That's on me. You good, you good, you good, bro. Yeah, Gable Stevenson is about almost the same size as Brock. He's like a little bit smaller than him. Um, and obviously Chad, who was in the last Olympics, I think got a silver medal. I'm not 100% sure for the U.S. team. He's about the same size as Kurt yeah. Angle. For some reason, I thought you said Chad Gable's little brother. <laughs> That's what I heard in my yeah, head. Mark, I was like, <laughs> Mark, Mark um, Stevenson, I believe his name is uh, Gable Stevenson's uh, brother. That's what we, we talked about them possibly being like a Steiner Brothers thing. But then if you get the if you get a chance to have a U.S. gold medalist, you probably want to, you know, push him by himself, I guess, at the same time. What do they want to do, really? I'm looking forward to watching wrestling next week if that's the case. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I, I think we should check that out and then uh, do a little bit of a review. It should be a fun watch regardless. Yep, we'll have that for you guys. Uh, let's review and then we'll go over the shows are some key highlights of the shows this last week. Uh, but before we do that, we got to do Money in the Bank. Um, I th- yeah, there's another pre-show match. I was very surprised to be on the pre-show. We started off with the Usos taking the titles off of Rey Mysterio and Dom Mysterio. Dominic followed up by having a great match, I think, last night with, with uh, I think it was Jey Uso. Uh, who, he looked, he had fire. He, he actually looked aggressive. They were pissed off about this loss. Um because a little bit of uh, tomfoolery within it. But uh, good tag team match, man. I like this Usos-Mysterios dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that people... I thought the match was fine. 
I think they could have easily had a better match. The biggest controversy around this is around the DUI stuff, which we talked about last last weekend, and whether you should push, continue to push the storyline with that kind of looming over their heads and not make any kind of announcement or any kind of punishment around it. Yeah, I'm still, I don't know what exactly is happening with them, but I'm hoping that they're taking some type of actions. We just don't know about it. Um, at least getting him to clean up a bit, man. He's, that's a good point. You know, you probably should not, uh, give a win and a title, but then again, if it's so a part of their storyline, which it looks like it, I don't know what the fuck they do, you know? So, but decent match. Ready to get into the main show? Yeah, well, uh, let's get there. Uh, we could spend a lot of time talking about what WWE should and should not do. <laughs> Absolutely. So this was a really, uh, I want to look over this. Yeah, I, I would say this might have been, I don't know. The next match was kind of abysmal too, but wasn't a big fan of the uh, women's uh, Money in the Bank ladder match. Um, I liked Liv Morgan in it a lot. Um Naomi had a pretty cool uh, spot within it. Zelina Vega, man, she just lost last night to, uh, to uh, Tony Storm. Um, and she also lost Lib Morgan. She lost this. I wonder if, uh, you know, was it like they both had like an announcement to tell each other? And she was like, yeah, Tommy, I'm going back to WWE. And he's like, oh, well, I figured out that I only have a month to wait. So I signed with AEW. So. And then Malachi Black showed up, and then Vince like, God damn it! So now we're going to see uh, Selena Vega go through a bunch of tables probably in the future. I don't know. Maybe that could happen. But uh, this match is just kind of clumsy. I wanted Liv Morgan to win towards the end of it, or just someone, not Nikki Ash. I'm sorry. I think they're trying to give her, like, a Mankind vibe because she used to be this crazy person, but now she's, like, endearing. I can't I – her, her outfit looks ridiculous. I know Hurricane Helms is helping her out with this whole entire thing. And it was her idea because she wanted to be like, you know, a, a baby face for kids out there. It's all nice. But I when she won it, I was like, eh. and when she cashed in on Charlotte and won the title, I was even more like, oh, my God, what the fuck? Dan, I could give zero fucks about Nikki Ash. It's Almost a, superheroes. It's a shitty rerun of what they did with Molly Holly, and I don't care about it at all. Um, and I don't understand what they did later on. Why would you have Charlotte beat someone who I consider one of the biggest superstars you have as far as your female division goes? If you have Charlotte beat her, why is she dropping the title the very next night? I hated all of this. There's the fucking hypnotized spot that Alexa Bliss oh, had. That the, the fan shit all over. They did not give a fuck about her doing that stupid rope sit spot. They didn't care. They hated. So stupid. Was it Zelina that she hypnotized? Who did she hypnotize? They were both. Well, she did some other shit before that, but then they were both at the top of the ladder and she got her to go down the ladder by herself by hypnotizing her. They made Zelina Vega pretend she was being hypnotized on the fucking pay-per-view. And this is all building to the almost superhero uh, versus 
Alexa Bliss. I'm assuming that's what they're going for, and she'll be, you know, because she's a superhero, Alexa won't be able to hypnotize her. Stop watching, like, Avengers. <laughs> Avengers yes. Avengers isn't wrestling. <laughs> Quit <No>. out. <laughs> and, you know, if I want superheroes doing wrestling, I'll watch that new Hills TV show that had an awesome trailer uh, for Mr. Stephen Amell that both Cody Rhodes... He's one of the producers on there, along with Steven, and uh, is going to have some some cameos from wrestlers, including CM Punk. So Canadian, uh, Canadian Paul Walker himself, Stephen Amill, is yes, looking man. super jacked. <laughs> He's at the same I, uh, gym as Edge, apparently. We'll, we'll we'll be seeing him show up on fucking AEW, I think, once that show hits. Especially if since Cody's one of the producers on it. Um, which I love Stephen Amell, so I'm all, all all for that. That the trailer really got me. I like it. I forgot the dude from Hunger Games that plays his little brother. What his name is? It's Alexander something. But I really liked him, and uh, I, I want to learn about a small territory about two brothers and all that shit. Sounds it sounds fun. Did you see the trailer, Chris? I did. And I I wish it was based in Gainesville, Georgia, instead of wherever Georgia they're <laughs> they're at. <laughs> they should have done it at the Civic Center. <laughs> Well, Steve, um, no. with his southern accent, since you you've been in Georgia your whole life, uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty solid. It's it's more okay. of like a it's like a southern Georgia accent, you know, like a well, people from not Georgia wouldn't know this, but if you go to like Valdosta or Savannah, which is closer to Florida, it kind of has more of that vibe to it. If that makes sense, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but uh, Stephen Amell. He's looking pretty yoked. Maybe he's going to take the title off Kenny. <laughs> Who knows, man? Um, I want to say one more thing. Yep. Anyone who's not excited about this new Stephen Amell show, they failed the city. Failed the city. I love him. Um, all right, so next match. This, this is fine. AJ Styles and Amos defeated, who are the champions, the Viking Raiders, by pinfall. Uh, 13-minute match for the Raw Tag Team Championship. All right. I know that – I don't know what the fuck's going on with Randy Orton. It's very unknown. And I thought their original thing was going to be Orton and Riddle against AJ and Amos for those tag titles. But now it seems that they've had to do some stuff. I, I don't know. It's very hush-hush. There's not a lot of information. Whenever I see information, it's telling me that there's not a lot of information out there. So – We'll report it as we find it, but that kind of changed the dynamic of the tag division, I would think, unless he does come back and they built it up in the next couple weeks, which they definitely could. But Omos, his his facial expressions, who I'm about to compare him to, it's not a good comparison. But I will say that a lot of his facial expressions and attitude in the ring are better. But, my God, he uh, he's seeming like he has the potential to be more of like a great Kali or John Gonzalez. Than saying Andre or Big Show, starting to see that a little bit. And uh, why was AJ and Amos playing the heels mostly throughout this? Thought that was or the baby faces. Um, that was also confusing. But what are you gonna do? So as I said earlier, my wife watched this pay per view with me, and it's the first time she's watched wrestling in I don't know, maybe eight months, maybe a year. <laughs> she doesn't. She normally does her own thing when I'm watching wrestling. Um, and I had a few other friends that haven't watched that I lent my Peacock account to, the cock to, 
um, who watched this, and they were super impressed by Omos's just being a giant. And the thing I would say is he just needs to learn how to sell better, like his facial expressions and, and what he's doing on the outside of the ring, and they should actually let him sell a bit more. And I don't know how you work that out, but I mean, he's fine in the ring. And it also gave me very, very mad respect for how good Shaq was in that match with Cody Rhodes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's the immediate comparison is like Shaq's never wrestled in his life. Almost is trying to be a professional wrestler. <laughs> so he he's should at least be as good as Shaq. <laughs> he's been trained at Performance Center from Kevin Nash and Big Show a lot. And Mark Henry and all the other big guys really try to help him out. But he's a little bit. He's a little bit distra- he's a little bit green still in the ring, I would say. Yeah, I would say that, but that's not an excuse. Either you have it or you don't have it. And maybe Shaq is a bad comparison because Shaq is such a fucking personality. I mean, we are talking about someone that starred in two movies and uh, is an NBA analyst and personality in itself. But I mean, if you watch those two matches, right? Or you watch any of the almost stuff with AJ, and then you watch that Shaq match versus Cody. You're like, well, that's kind of what you're looking for from a big guy, you know? Yep. But him being with AJ is probably really good for him because if anyone's going to be able to train the guy up, it would be AJ. I would just say he needs to work on his selling. But my wife and, uh, like I said, my two other friends that don't really watch wrestling that much, they were super into just him being a spectacle and how fucking huge huge he is, and that's what they kept saying. He's like, he's so fucking huge, and I was like, that's exactly what Vince would be going for. Um, He's 7'4". He's a huge dude. He's taller than Andre. He's almost the same size as Giant Gonzalez. Yeah, he's the same height as Shaq. Isn't Shaq 7'4"? I mean, Shaq's obviously wider now because he's older, but like, you think young Shaquille O'Neal, and that's who this is, and I think what ruined it for me is like the Shaq versus Cody match was so fucking good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just yeah. expect him to be able to do what Shaq could do, which apparently is not a thing. Cause Shaq's just a, uh, maybe Shaq just has a natural charisma like Jeff Hardy, you know, something very likable about him. Um, my big thing is like one, they need to let the guy sell a little bit more. If he, especially if he's getting double teamed on the outside, and he needs to work on his facial expressions. But uh, him and AJ, the fans are really behind. They like him. They shouldn't be treating them as heels. They should be baby faces. Because, I mean, it's just going to be AJ getting his ass whipped for forever and then hitting a hot tag on the big guy, which is a classic wrestling trope. Yep. All right. Next match. Bobby Lashley, MVP in his corner, going against Kofi Kingston. And this was, what, less than eight minutes? of Kofi getting murdered by Bobby Lashley. I mean, it's a dominant win, and we position it on Raw with, you know, him handily beating fucking Keith Lee and Oldberg. Oh, wait. Oh, there's a G in front of there. Sorry. Goldberg returning, getting his face and saying, you're next. Uh, I like Bobby Lashley, and I've liked him, especially with MVP, but... This did kind of sour me a bit. I guess if you're going to beat someone like Kofi, if you really want to look dominant, this is the way to go. And Kofi's been pissing him off for a while, including, you know, getting in his head, which caused Xavier to get a pin over him. I get some of the dynamic, but you couldn't give Co- you couldn't give Kofi a little bit of fucking offense. 
I was hoping Kofi was going to win this. I might have screwed up my perception of the uh, the match itself because that didn't happen. But maybe that was uh, something that was never meant to happen, I guess. I don't know, Chris. What do you think? <laughs> my predictions were way off for the show, so I don't even want to talk about them. <laughs> um, I think I booked a better show than WWE did. I'll, I'll say that. So go listen to the last really podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, why did they kill Kofi here? What was the point? He was one of the most over people, maybe outside of Cena on the entire show. And they just hit him with three dominators and choked him out in the center of the ring. Like he was nothing. Like he was basically dog shit. Um, I hated it. Uh, that's the best way to explain, explain this. I mean, it, at least give him some offense. I'm fine with Kofi losing, but like he had one pin attempt off a roll up and got demolished the rest of his match. People bitching about the carry and cross match. You should watch this match. This is what getting buried looks like, like saying cross got buried. That's, that's not what happened on raw. This is getting buried. Like they absolutely fucking killed Kofi. There's no way he comes out of this looking good. Luckily for Kofi, he's entertaining enough to bounce back from it. Uh, I hated the match. I thought it was very stupid, especially because it's just leading to a program with fucking Lashley versus uh, Goldberg, who I give zero fucks about, as everyone knows. Uh, so, yeah, I hated all of this, Dane. <laughs> uh, tell me how you really feel. Yeah, I, I completely get it. And uh, I'm not – I don't care if Goldberg goes against him. So that's not – that's that, I, I know that they – they couldn't get Brock to come in for SummerSlam. I don't know if Goldberg's the next best person to do that. I'm sorry. Like, what a fuck? Just because he shows up, he gets a title shot. Like, I know John Cena just did that, but he's getting in Roman Reigns' head, and Roman's told him no already because of that concept. But Goldberg just can go up, even though he hasn't. Yeah, he can just go up and fucking cut in line. Like, it's so stupid. Last time I remember Goldberg, he got dropped on his head by the fucking Undertaker on purpose. So <laughs> that's what I remember from the last Goldberg run. Does anyone care? I mean, I guess he got a pop, but do people still care about Goldberg? I guess so. It's it's just baffling because it, what happens is he shows up. He ends up at least this time. Kofi wasn't the he beat Kofi last time he showed up. So now Kofi has been indirectly buried by <laughs> Goldberg twice. I don't, I don't fucking get it. I don't get it. I don't get the obsession with Goldberg. He's not a good wrestler. He's, he's had maybe two good matches I can think of in my entire life of his wrestling career. He's not a good promo. I mean, he's a big guy that gave a win streak to. I, I don't give a shit about Goldberg at all. Yep. I'm with you, man. All right, uh, the next three matches I thought were all solid to uh, end the pay-per-view, first being the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Charlotte Flair defeated Rhea Ripley by submission with... I thought these ladies looked awesome. I thought they were great. Rhea Ripley's really good at selling. Uh, That last sequence where she gets her into the figure eight and just the progression of it I thought was just awesome. And like we already talked about, it kind of got thrown down into the toilet when she beat... Or did they get a DQ finish on Raw? I'm not sure, but they had their match, and then Nikki Ash obviously came out and then cashed in on Charlotte. So this was just a notch, Chris, to get her closer to her dad's record? Like, what the fuck? Like, 
Jesus Christ. Well, she's only at 11 now because they're no longer counting NXT titles as part of the that lineage of Charlotte. Me. Holy shit. I'm hoping that Charlotte just lost count and they didn't script that, but I have a hard feeling that they scripted that. Uh, this match was a, the best thing on the entire show. Rhea Ripley and Charlotte tore it up. It was a great fucking match. It, I mean, it was something to behold. My nieces watched it uh, the next day because it was past their bedtime, but they watched it the next day, and they are huge Rhea Ripley fans. So for one time, they didn't pick the heel. Or did they pick the heel? Who's the heel in this feud? No one, they, knows. <laughs> no one fucking knows. They're big Kenny Omega fans. Heel. <laughs> Well, they hate Jungle Boy, apparently. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's the last time they watched wrestling. So they're they're my my uh, my sisters slowly starting to let them watch wrestling, and this was one that they really 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 enjoyed. Um, I thought it was a great fucking match, man. I think this is easily the best thing on the show. Uh, Peacock fucked me, as we talked about a little earlier. So maybe I should go back and give that man's uh, the men's Money in the Bank match another watch. But this was a great fucking match. Everyone that was bitching about Charlotte's uh, at like work, work rate and stuff leading into this, I think she proved them wrong. Like she can still go, it and it was it was it was fucking great. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Um, next match, eighteen minute match, Money in the Bank. Um, nothing to do with with sex. I just thought the women's one wasn't put together as well, but I really enjoyed the the men's one. Uh, Big E defeated Drew McIntyre, John Morrison, Kevin Owens, King Nakamura, Ricochet, Riddle, and Seth Rollins. Um, yeah, if you were watching it live, you missed a good chunk of it uh, and finally came to towards the middle of it. But I went back and rewatched this match. Um, big ups to Ricochet for doing some crazy shit, like usual. Um, I thought... Everyone shined. Kevin Owens took a gnarly table bump. No, a fucking ladder bump where Seth Rollins powerbombed him outside the ring through a fucking ladder. Jesus, KO. But um, uh, Seth, it really looked like it was coming between Biggie and Seth. Seth was about to get it at the end. Biggie took him off the ladder and handily won. Um, I thought it was fun. Drew McIntyre what looked like he was going to win at one point, and they set up. The few that no one gives a shit about with uh, Jinder Mahal's guys coming and destroying him and taking him in the back, and just fighting off into the, uh, the 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 arena. They're still fighting there now, the three of them against Drew McIntyre. Man, I, 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 I'm sure that Drew said he wanted to work with Jinder, but I don't know if that was a good idea to put out in the universe, man, honestly, <laughs> because, uh, yeah, but I like this. Chris, should Kevin Owens not be taking power bombs to the outside through a fucking ladder? So who are Jinder Mahal's new geeks? Because didn't they fire the Bollywood boys? Yeah, they fired the Bollywood boys. So they had those two dudes that were in NXT with Malcolm Bivens that they split up abruptly because one of them leaked information about a following uh, taped episode and they fired him. So it's got one of him and another <laughs> big superstar from um, the Great Khali's camp in India that they've been training as his other heavy. I mean, I'm not not to point out the obvious, but if you knew you were going to do this storyline, why would you fire the Bollywood boys? <laughs> I don't know. Um, McIntyre should have killed these two geeks. Isn't he always killing geeks like this all the time anyways? Like, why was this such a 
it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I love the finish of this match. Big E uh, getting money in the bank, I think, is very entertaining. And hopefully they actually put a title on this guy. I'm assuming for Raw. Um, just because I feel like Reigns in Rock is, is destined. I think Reigns probably going to hold that title until then. But um, outside of that, like Lashley going to Raw, Money in the Bank, challenge for that title. That makes a lot of sense. Or not Lashley, sorry, um, Biggie. I don't know why I said Lashley. But uh, this match was really good, man. Like you said, and like you said and we predicted, Kevin Owens fell off a bunch of shit. <laughs> that was the majority of the match. He did an absolutely ridiculous moonsault to the outside, and Kevin Owens went through a fucking ladder. <laughs> we kind of predicted both of those. And Johnny gimmick name, Johnny Drip Jib, was the most over person in the match. Oh, and the battle of Drip King, by the way, I didn't know how I needed that. Between him and Seth, him calling Seth out for taking his gimmick outside, and who was the one who fucking... Oh, no, it was Drew McIntyre, who I think I said was going to do it. Did the Tope Con Hero over the top ropes and into both of them. So, uh, a lot of good stuff, man. That was a good match. That was fun. Yeah, it turns out that Johnny John Morrison and Ricochet are really good wrestlers. Weird. <laughs> strange, man. I um, like that. I like Morrison has somehow gotten over while catching a hundred losses. <laughs> He's like the new Daniel Bryan. <laughs> Jesus, that is pretty funny. Um, yeah, man, I I, uh, I enjoyed this match, and uh, my prediction, and a lot of people have kind of. Someone said this. I don't remember. I don't know if it was. Alvarez or or Raj Giri, one of the guys was suggesting have Big E. Now they could go one in two directions. I don't think one of them is kind of fun just for Big E, but SummerSlam have Big E cash in on the Bobby Lashley Goldberg match. If Goldberg wins, yes, it's stupid that Goldberg gets the title, but if it's just for him to have it for two seconds to then get put down by Biggie, who used to really be a big Goldberg fan when he was younger, uh, would be awesome. Or to Bobby Lashley. But the biggest reason is now you have the new day together and Biggie has a championship. Does that get to Kofi? What dynamic can you do with that? I don't want to see a title come up for Roman. I actually like them going possibly in that direction instead. Kind of like what you suggested as well, and a lot of people are. Yeah, and Biggie is Biggie's dream match, right? They said, what match would you want to have past or present? And he's like, Goldberg, big mean slapping meat. <laughs> so maybe Goldberg beats Lashley, and um, that's your feud is Biggie versus uh, Biggie versus um, God. Why am I blanking his fucking name now? Oh, Goldberg. Goldberg. Yeah, Goldberg. Biggie versus Goldberg because he wants big men slapping meat. Hey, whatever he wants, if he gets a title at the end of it, I don't give a fuck. I mean, if they're going to put Big E over Goldberg, everyone will be happy about that. Especially after the Kofi fiasco, right? Um, I, I think people would be really excited about that. It, honestly, would you rather see Lashley versus Lesnar or Big E versus Lesnar? I'd much rather see Big E versus Lesnar. Yep. All right, um... I agree with you completely. Um, let's let's start going uh, into the main event itself. Uh, 33-minute match between Roman Reigns and Edge. This was a very slow-down pace, so if you don't like a more methodical uh, pace in wrestling, it might have been too slow for you, but I actually thought it was an excellent match. 
I like the part at the, at the end of it where Roman tries to spear Edge, and Edge moves, and he takes out the barrier, and when he gets up, Edge gets him with the last piece that's standing. I thought that was a lot of fun. I thought these guys uh, worked excellent in the ring with each other. Uh, for the Universal Championship, no one, I don't think, thought Edge was going to win, and he kind of got fucked over by Mr. Seth Rollins, who in a promo afterwards said that he, he, sh- he shouldn't even been a part of the Money in the Bank. He should have been in the Universal Championship match tonight, so he could have beaten Roman, and he didn't lose the fucking Money in the Bank, even though obviously he did. He got pushed down by Big E after almost winning it. So that's that's pretty much a loss, I would say. But using this as, as a reason for him to come out, attack Edge, we knew that they were going to go Rollins Edge for SummerSlam, and I liked a lot of the stuff that they built off of last night, which we'll get into in a second on SmackDown. But, um, yeah, this, this was uh, – I thought this was a really good match, uh, and – a big surprise at the end of it. It wasn't Jay White. It was John Cena. And he just came to the ring and got in Roman Reigns' face, looked at Paul Heyman, then looked at Roman Reigns and said, you can't see me. And that place exploded. And I didn't hear a lot of boos. So uh, apparently John's been missed, Chris. John has been missed, and they've done a good job of making you hate Roman. That's what I gathered out of that. <laughs> yep. John Cena finally has a fucking heel to go against. Part of the problem, the reason the fans turned on John Cena is that you never built a good bad guy. Now you have Roman. Uh, so I'm excited to see this. I don't think Roman's going to lose to Cena. But it was great seeing Rome, uh, Cena back, and that pop was massive. The match itself, oh, very slow beginning. It picked up at the end. Yep. It, it wasn't a bad match at all. It's just... Roman has a, a new weird pacing to his matches. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. And maybe it's just because he's worked edge a couple times. Uh, it's a very, very slow, methodical opening to the match. I, I, maybe the match was like five minutes too long for me, I guess. I don't, I don't know. But um, good stuff. Edge is fucking <laughs> on the HGH, I guess. I don't know. He's massive. <laughs> And uh, Rollins, this is the best Seth Rollins has looked in a, in a long time. I, I like this version of Seth. I think it's it's going to be fun watching him and Edge. And that should be – that's the actual match I think that will make people really remember how good Edge is because Seth is fucking incredible. He's going to sell pretty much everything. I don't know that I would have put Edge again, immediately against Roman um, or Randy Orton. But Edge versus Seth. Seth is such an incredible worker. That's going to be one of Edge's best matches since coming back easily. Yeah, I agree, man. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, just good stuff all around, man, uh, leading to SummerSlam. Didn't like some of the uh, fallouts, though, on Monday Night Raw. I think we talked about pretty much all of it. John Cena came out. He, you know, got his whole promo in. People were going crazy. Um him and Riddle had some cool interaction doing the whole bro down. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> we talked about Cross losing. Riddle was so excited. It made that was my favorite part of Raw was the excitement of Matt Riddle. <laughs> yeah, definitely With the bro down. Like it was nice having the fans back, but if you put out stupid shit, for the most part, like the Carrying Cross beating or losing very quickly and abruptly to Jeff Hardy, Bobby. Um, you know, beating Keith Lee, Nikki fucking cashing in and Goldberg, you know, calling for the title. There was, uh, I wasn't a big fan of raw, man. Um, nice having an audience back, but it's still written like shit. 
Yeah, instead of sending the fans home happy, they sent them home very pissed off, seemingly. <laughs> so I mean, I guess I, I guess Nikki winning the title, most fans probably were excited about. I'm not a huge fan of that gimmick, as I said earlier, but that seemed to be the the send home fan make the fans happy moment of the show, I guess. Um, but yeah, this is it was a weird show. I, the, is Keith Lee being punished because of the copyright stuff? It seems like to me. I think so. So, yeah, that sucks. Keith Lee... Keith Lee should go to, to U, <laughs> NXT UK and just only wrestle Falter for the next, like, six years. <laughs> can, we get, can we get that? I, they're wasting Keith Lee. It sucks. He's so fucking great, and it's complete waste. You're the one who turned me on to Keith Lee. And then I'm just now I'm immediately pissed off every time he shows up on Raw, which has been like four months apart, I guess. So ridiculous. I don't get it. Definitely someone that I mean, that that's the thing about AEW is that the fact that, oh, OK, well, even if I go to Impact, I might be able to do New Japan, AEW, all of it together. That seems to me like something that someone like Keith Lee, after done with this fucking shit, would just be like, all right, peace, fuck off, I'm out. Yeah, and I mean, we absolutely buried the way they treated Miro when he came in, but has anyone been treated worse than Keith Lee since he came uh-huh. in? Like, they put Miro in a geek group, but now Miro looks great, right? And he's had some good promos and stuff. Like, the big guys on <laughs> AEW, which we bitch about all the time, the big guys on AEW still not as bad as what they're doing with Keith Lee. No, definitely agree with you. Or, I'm even like, did Bad Bunny really help out Damian Priest at all? Or did they just not follow up after it? Yeah, where the hell has he been? Was he on Raw and I missed it? Where the fuck is Damian Priest? No clue, man. Don't even know. I, like I said, if if Hunter had hair, do you think he'd be pulling it out at all? <laughs> Uh, I mean, maybe fucking Bad Bunny showed up and stole the spotlight from Damian Priest, and then Damian Priest was written off the show essentially. <laughs> and the reason why this is such a big deal to me, especially the Carrying Cross thing, is it screws up NXT, who we're talking about next, and it, we had some great matches on it. But this whole thing with Samoa Joe and Carrying Cross was Samoa Joe going to be the person in storyline that would beat Carrying Cross? to get that title while he goes to the main roster. Why couldn't they hold off until August 22nd at this next takeover 36 for that to happen? Or even if Karrion were to have beaten him and kept his undefeated streak and dropped the title, they're definitely building towards that match with him and Joe. That to me is a duh. I don't know why they would be doing all this. If, if, if Joe's not clear, that would really piss me off, but who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe triple H just thrown in the towel at this point. Um, I don't think he has. I, so, so with the carrying cross stuff, I immediately thought Jeff Hardy was showing up on NXT. Which would have been awesome. That's why I didn't have as big of a problem with the roll-up win. I thought maybe he would show up and challenge for the title, and if even if he won the title, you would get him versus Joe, right? Still would have been great, man. But no, they didn't uh, do that. Instead, they kind of ignored it, and I don't blame them because it did not look like it was a part of NXT's story. I think they wanted to keep either Karrion Cross undefeated until Joe or have him undefeated going up on the main roster. Like, could you imagine if Bill Goldberg's streak 
Because I think Karrion Cross is what, like 20 and 0 or something around that. He's been undefeated since he came on the product. If if Goldberg abruptly lost to fucking I don't know Bobby Eaton or some shit, you know a past great legend, but definitely on the tail end of his career, doesn't get pushed a lot in their company, and then just fucking beats Goldberg. Like, are you saying like maybe he gets hit with a taser and? <laughs> oh God, maybe that's a better choice, I guess. Uh, no, I. Way, I guess, if you guys haven't watched the Kevin Nash uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. That was a lot of fun. Nash, you can say what he wants about his in-ring work. I think he was very safe for a big guy, so I'll give him that. But very creative mind and such a cool dude. Yeah, Nash didn't have to do a lot to be good at wrestling. I think there's a lot of people that could take some pages out of Nash's book and Hogan's book. I mean, you like don't have power to. And how he just slided the people off of him instead of just dropping them on their fucking head. Yeah, and it looked cool, and he called it the jackknife. You know, like it's – there's a lot of stuff to say about Kevin Nash, uh, especially when you get into, like, his booking. If if you're not a Nash fan, I totally get it. But at one point in time, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were the biggest people in the entire wrestling world. Yep. Um, and plus him, Sean, and Sid, that was a good fucking storyline. Love it. So I always will have a respect for Nash. Now, later WCW, et cetera, uh, his booking, you you could be like, that's bullshit. And I would totally agree with you. <laughs> yep, I agree. But they go into a lot of that, too. It was a good conversation. I mean, Austin's an excellent interviewer. Um, and he loves to take shots if he gets a chance to, you know, just a little boom, boom to someone. Uh now, I, I, I will say for the people out there that watched that and enjoyed it, go listen to the Stone Cold Steve Austin Unleashed podcast that he did with Kevin Nash years ago, because I thought that was a little better. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing about them doing this is Stone Cold has done a lot of these interviews in the past, and the Unleashed one is great. The The road stories him and Kevin Nash go into are, are really great. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a fun car ride. Like early Kevin Nash, Austin, and DDP just driving <laughs> from town to town before any of them got big, obviously. Yeah, on that podcast, I think Austin talks about living with DDP for a while because he lived in his house. Some, yep. good, some good shit in there. Jake, <laughs> Jake did too for a little listen. while until he got a fucking snake stuck in the goddamn um, ventilation system, a python. And then <laughs> DDP like kicked him out with his wife. I like the DDP just like has random people living with him all the time. Such a good dude, man. Love DDP. Shout out, shout out to DDP. Go listen to our interview with him. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so let's go into NXT. We already talked about Smojo. I loved what they set up, but I still had that in my head the whole entire time. Smojo gets there. He's ready to fight. William Regal's telling him to chill out. He goes out there, does the uh, the Popeye look where one of his eyes is bulging out of his head that I always joke around about. It looks like something you'd see in an anime, but he looks so fucking angry. He's pissed off. He's like, if you want to fucking do this, let's go. You know, Regal's like, hey, he's not here yet. And Joe's like, okay, well, I'm going to wait for him. And he's literally waiting there, and Regal's like, you can't touch him. And he goes, oh, I'll make sure he touches me first. Like, he's going to fucking cause the fight and then beat the shit out of him is what he's implying. And at the end, Karrion Cross finally gets there. Joe calls him out. We go to the screen. And Karrion Cross has a message for Joe and William Regal, who he, 
you know, that, that, that parking lot has the worst security on the fucking planet, but who he apparently beat the shit out of and left for dead. And as soon as Joe runs out to help out Regal, Karen Cross gets the fuck out of there with a big smile on his face and Scarlet take off. So, uh, good heel work with Cross. Yeah, it's a little chicken shit of him, but I mean, he just lost to Jeff Hardy on fucking Raw, so I don't even care. But I thought they did a good job putting these guys uh, against each other, and I like that. The only thing that's weird about Regal is, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, didn't Joe butt heads constantly with Regal while he was there? Yeah, maybe, but I think they're playing off the fact that Joe had respect for Regal because they never got into any physical altercations or anything. Because you're talking about the Finn Balor feud, right? Yeah. It's been a while, but yeah, it, it does seem like that Regal was more on Finn's side than Joe's side during that. So do, uh, what did you think about them setting this up? Do you think it's going to be Samoa Joe uh, versus Karrion Cross for that belt come August 22nd for the next uh, TakeOver 36? It has to be. They have no one else. They put Finn on SmackDown. Yep. And if that happens, is Joe going to be now the champion and going forward? Or do you think Karrion Cross is just going to drop the title after he beats Joe? I mean, it doesn't really matter now because he's already lost. So well, if Joe I mean, beats... if, you brought, if you brought Joe back specifically for NXT, why not have him be the champion? I mean, you fired him and re-signed the guy. So you might as well fucking use him. I have no problem with Joe being champion. I like it. Um, also announced uh, TakeOver 36. I already said this for August 22nd. That is the day after SummerSlam, which I find a little bit weird. SummerSlam's on the 21st. So SummerSlam gets Saturday night. NXT gets Sunday night. But regardless, I don't know if that's good for SummerSlam because I'm sure they're going to have a fucking awesome card. They're going all out. But what, with the potential of what's going to happen with Joe and Cross and some of the other matches they're setting up, they announced that Walter versus Ilya Dragunov 2 will be at TakeOver. And, my God, that might be the match that fucking weekend, bro. So there's two matches I want to see specifically. That one is going to be great. But Joe versus Adam Cole. Well, that, Adam Cole has to take the belt off of the cross first because it looks like they're building with that storyline no i'm thinking joe takes the belt and then adam cole like cross gets sent up to the main roster and then that's i'm talking later like down the line that's the match i want to see and then joe versus volter oh yeah oh yeah they're, oh if he has the UK championship and joe has the normal and they do that that would be a fucking awesome match and if walter's the double champ i have no problem with that at all <laughs> Samoa Joe's a very smart guy and a, a very uh, obviously a great fucking wrestler. There's no way that he's seen what Walter has done and and, and not been like, I want to fucking have a match with Walter. If I'm gonna have a match, it might as well be with Walter. So hopefully we get that. Especially if one of his last matches, man. If he gets a title run for NXT and then has some good matches with some of the bigger talent and like puts over Walter, yeah, that's that's pretty damn good for Samoa Joe. It it's also kind of cool to think about Samoa Joe having. Like being the Ring of Honor, let's call a legacy Ring of Honor guy, having some matches with some of the the newer Ring of Honor talent, like, you know, yep. uh, <laughs> Adam Cole, for instance. Like Gargano. Adam, 
Gargano, him and Gargano and him and Adam Cole would have great matches. That's why I have no problem if, like, whatever they do with Cross after this, I I mean, I hope they do well. But for NXT, Samoa Joe is a better champion. He's a better promo, and he can have great matches with all those guys, and he's believable. And that crowd doesn't like Cross at all, man. I, I hated the chicken shit heel thing, by the way. I never responded to your actual question. Um, he's carrying Cross. He should be just fucking dominating people and not running away. Yeah, uh, I don't understand why he wasn't hiding or maybe even like a car left. And then Joe thinks that the car left and then Karen Cross comes up right behind him and chokes him the fuck out or says his name, punched him in the face. They brawl a little bit and then he gets a better of him. I don't know why they had him run off. I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, like, also, why is he, like, feuding with William Regal? Like, why does he give a shit about William Regal? It's... Just to I get Joe's know, head. Um, uh, yeah, but he's not that guy. He's not Triple H. He's not the cerebral assassin. He's supposed to be just a legitimate ass-kicker that no one can beat this unstoppable monster. So, trying to... Like, they overthink this shit. It... it Cross should just demolish Joe and then demolish Regal and be like, I'll see you fuckers next week. That's all he has to do. And then say TikTok. That's it. <laughs> and then have Scarlet Bedreau look great and then cut the rest of his promos. That's all he has to do. I don't know why they over fucking complicate this. I don't uh, either, man. I, I just the I wished Brother Nero was there. <laughs> the limo spot just hanging out. <laughs> That would have been awesome. I really would have. Um, I don't know, but my last three notes that I have about this uh, that we'll talk about, Kyle O'Reilly and Austin Theory had a damn good match. Uh, Kyle won. It looks like they're going with uh, Gargano versus uh, O'Reilly, which should be an awesome fucking match if they build up to it. Um, I loved all the stuff with LA Knight and Grimes. I liked how they showed up in that Corvette and Grimes like, it's pretty fast. And like, he's not the driver, but he's like, it's pretty fast. Not as fast as my, uh, my Rolls Royce or whatever. And he keeps on one upping. And then he even causes a match against fucking Drake Maverick, who LA Knight tried to punk out. I actually like where they're going with this. It's entertaining. And then Zia Lee, she went against Raquel Gonzalez for the title. I don't know if it's a receipt or anything like that, but that's sent on where she looked, they had a fucking speed up the ending of the match. And I think Zaya might have cracked one of her ribs, which sucks. But uh, oof, that was a nasty ending. Was that was that a receipt from the champion for uh, you know fucking people up constantly? Or an accident? I don't. I don't, I don't think it was a on purpose type deal. Uh, Lance Storm went into this on the Wrestling Observer Live, I guess the Thursday show. He's been guest hosting because uh, Mike Sempervivi's been out. And he was talking about the importance of tucking your elbows in a senton or throwing them over his head. And he gave the specific example of Kevin Owens. And he's like, because what happens is you either hit them in the ribs, the dick, or the face if you don't tuck your elbows in close when you do a senton. It was a great breakdown of what happened there. So I don't think it was a receipt, but it's kind of really hard to feel bad for Zia Lee when she's out here kicking people's fucking heads off. <laughs> so... Well, I'm uh, just saying, uh, Mercedes-Benz, I think, I'm pretty sure helped out Raquel Gonzalez in training. But, uh, you know, maybe she didn't uh, go as easy on her a little bit. Maybe she wasn't meaning to break a rib, but that was nasty. That was, ugh. Maybe she just went full Jeff Hardy and just put the squash on her. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um, uh, no, nah, it was... It, 
I, I I wouldn't call it a receipt. I think it was just a accident. Karma's a bitch, man. Like, <laughs> you know. I think that's more that's likely true. what happened is the universe just called up to Xylee. We're gonna break your ribs while you're breaking people's noses and shit. But um, yeah, uh, pretty decent NXT. Nothing uh to go home about. Obviously, I think the big two shows and the next ones we're gonna talk about with SmackDown and AEW Dynamite. Ready to get into the Dynamite, Chris, or any closing thoughts about NXT? Anything you want to talk about? I will say that Jim Cornette put over Austin Theory a lot, and um, as we have in the past, and I don't necessarily like him versus uh, Kyle O'Reilly and him taking a loss. I They need to get him out of this family, and hopefully whatever they do with MLW is sending Austin Theory to go work with other people. Yeah. Do you think the way is getting in the way of Austin Theory? Maybe it's violent by design. I don't know. Oh, you went there. Oh, shit. All right. All right. AEW Dynamite. So we started the Trials and Tribulations, the, the Hercules, uh, whatever things that fucking Chris Jericho has to do. But he went against Sean Spears, and Sean Spears, who is a very good uh, in-ring wrestler, but... Uh, Man, how the fuck did you lose when the stipulation was you could use chairs and Jericho couldn't, you know? But whatever. We had MJF on commentary, who was fucking hilarious throughout the whole entire course of this. Uh, at one time, what did he say about Chris Jericho? Uh, he made fun of his weight, and I giggled like a little bitch. But, um, yeah, he was great on commentary. He, he, he said he looked like a pregnant. I can't remember. He called him pregnant, basically. <laughs> Which is fucking just pure MJF gold and just going off on Tony and going after everyone else. It's just great. But um, Sean would lose, and MJF saw that coming. So he decided to hire a hired gun to go against, and he said he is a ex-felon, and he uh, robbed a bank. And somehow Nick Gage came to the stage. Chris, he also said he once stabbed a man in the throat which i believe <laughs> yeah i i kind of do too but nick gage comes out uh gets a great reaction i think and later revealed i do like this added element i, I gotta say jericho revealed that even though it kind of was a very abrupt weird ending with jericho doing a weird face thing but he's gonna be the paid maker so his persona that he used as a brawler in new japan against Nick Gage. You know, we just saw Kenny fucking do a damn crazy-ass match with a lot of those same spots are going to go about with Nick Gage. Is Chris Jericho going to be that giving, though? Uh, it's going to be very interesting, man. I like Nick being involved in this. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm down for this, man. He's he's an ultimate brawler, but uh, he also said he would like to do a, a match with Kenny, but it's got to be also a death match, and he wants to bash him over the head with 900 um, light tubes and slice them open. So I don't know if I would do that if I was Kenny Omega. You already kind of did a lot of that with uh, Sammy. Yeah, Kenny. Kenny doesn't care. He's he, didn't he just do like seven thousand barbed wire matches with Moxley? <laughs> um, no, it's so the thing about Jericho is he's out soon because he's touring with Fozzie. and he's doing a yep. Europe tour. So he's going to be gone. Do you just have Gage kill this guy? 
if you have him for long term, if you really want to put him on the map, yeah. But if not, that would be probably not the smartest thing to do. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, Nick Gage is an interesting choice. I would say Jericho's best recent work has been brawl-type matches, so it'll be fun to see what happens with him and Nick Gage, the man that almost killed David Arquette. Uh, <laughs> I forgot his name the last time he talked about it on Busted <laughs> yeah. Open. Well, he's like, uh, David Arquette? <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy. Uh, fucking piece of shit. Uh, I, th- I think the problem is Gage came out super over and he's supposed to be a heel in the way that they positioned him in the storyline. <laughs> it's hard not to like Nick Gage. It's like a it's like New Jack. It's hard not to like New Jack. You shouldn't like him, but it's hard not to like him. It's like Tony Soprano. He's the bad guy, but somehow you're just like he's he's fucking fascinating. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Uh, it will be uh, interesting to see what happens from that. All right, so the next thing I have written down, I'm kind of confused. Um, so they had a match with Luke Gallows going against the elite hunter, Frank Kazarian, and I like what they have built up. But it kind of was for nothing, and it seems like they're done with that character. And I know it was all there's a lot of setup for the Adam Page stuff going on with Kenny, but Carl basically helps a giant like fucking Luke Gallows win over Kazarian. Kenny comes out and before they, he gets uh, help from the dark order and Adam page gets his shit kicked out of him. Is that what, is that it for the, uh, the lead hunter Chris with Frank Kazarian? Like they not know that he should be a top guy or at least pretty close to that fucking level. I mean, I don't, I hope it's not the end of it. I would assume you at least get him and Adam Page teaming together or something. But uh, I, I, they've, and this could be Kazarian too. Maybe he's just positioned himself. He's like, I want to be right here on this card and uh, put guys over and have good matches. Maybe that's what Kazarian's about now, at this point in his career. But he is definitely one of the most underrated wrestlers on that entire fucking roster. And he has blown me away as a guy that has watched his career blossom from uh, early days of TNA until now. He's just absolutely phenomenal. I would love to have him and Kenny have a match because it would be a great fucking wrestling match at some point. I just don't think they're going to get there. Starting to think the same thing. Uh, we already talked about a little bit, I think maybe we did it off air, but during the Darby Allen, uh, match, uh, we, we, we got the few, we didn't know we needed. So orange Cassidy sting are both on the outside. Sting comes up to orange Cassidy. Uh, he gets, he kicks, you know, sting kicks him. No, that's what happened. Orange Cassidy put his hands in his pocket. Sting shin kicks him. Orange Cassidy does it back. Sting does it. Orange Cassidy does it. They both back up to do their sidekick. They don't do it. And then, you know, the whole call of the wild Tarzan thing that, that uh, Sting does, he just kind of just does it like, you know, nonchalantly. Um, wild Darby is pissed off that they're taking the attention away from the match and is like, Sting! And as soon as that happens, almost loses to Willer Yuta, uh, but comes back, gets the win. Darby is a fucking maniac. Even having this match a week later after that crazy coffin match, I just, he really is, 
in a lot of ways to monitor Jeff Hardy and just keep on going and keep on putting miles on, you know, but my Lord. Uh, but I love the stuff with Sting and uh, Orange Cassidy, Chris. I know I'm not supposed to, but certain comedy stuff I do like, you know. So I'm a Cameron Grimes fan. I don't care. Sting is fucking old. He doesn't give a shit at this point. Let him have some fun. Sting Sting is also a maniac. He's uh he's the joke he's the joker from Impact. He's the guy that hangs out with a on the balcony with a buzzard. Like him doing this is cerebral. He he knows Orange Cassidy stuff. I had no problem with this. Hopefully no one else does either. I thought this was one of the best things, if not the best thing in wrestling this week. It was incredible watching him and Orange Cassidy. <laughs> It started with Casty putting his pocket, his hands in his pockets, <laughs> and Sting just nonchalantly throwing the kick. It was hilarious. Also, uh, props to whoever is doing Sting's makeup now and pulling it up to his hairline. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't I look agree. like he's re- he's receding as much. He looks much younger. Uh, Sting's looking great. I mean, considering was he 61, 62 years old? Yeah. And. Uh, Shout out to Darby for no selling this and being pissed off. It was, it was just a great it moment. It made it okay. Yeah, I thought. <laughs> Darby's like, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> are they are they kind of setting up some dissension? Because my God, in the next few months, I don't want Darby to go heal or anything like that. But I would love, you know, I kind of already put this out there. If if they're getting CM Punk, I would love CM Punk to start off as a heel. I know no one wants that, but I I like Punk as a heel. And if it, he went for Darby, kind of like how Raven went for him in TNA, and try to mold him and get him away from Sting, but Darby rejects him, of course. But they kind of put a little bit of Sting's kind of getting under Darby's skin to like go into that. I would love a a storyline between the three of them. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, straight edge skateboarders, right, man? Drugs are bad. Is Darby straight edge? I guess. I don't. Maybe. Yep. I don't know. Oh, well, good for him. He is. Yep. He'll never enjoy getting drunk. Feels bad. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. That'd be really cool. I, I really want Punk versus Aleister Black more so, yeah. but. Him versus Darby would be good as well. It'd be fun. Um, Darby almost killed himself the week before in that coffin match. I can't believe he somehow landed perfectly with that coffin drop and didn't die <laughs> somehow. Uh, but yeah, this is a fun match, man. And, and like I said, the Orange Cassidy sting spot, mostly because I'm a huge sting mark, I really, really loved. I was very excited about this. All right. Uh, one thing that they've done right now, at least it took a little bit, but I loved everything with Andrade, what they, uh, they put out there, you know, he has like his handler or, or I don't know, his agent or something that comes with them. But he announced that through Vicky Guerrero, he would have someone else, you know, uh, presenting him and representing him. And I love that they're doing this because I thought Vicky was a bad choice to be with them. Love seeing Chavo Guerrero come out. And now he's getting to be like kind of, I, I feel like he's going to be able to be a little more sleazy heel with this going forward. But Andrade came out. We're in Texas where they have a very huge Mexican audience. So, you know, he he does have issues with, with talking in English, but his poise and everything, his 
His delivery, I think, is still really good. Him switching to Spanish, obviously a large chunk of their audience there was able to know it. Having Chavo now as his, his, his uh, speaker, if you will, I think is a good package. Him calling out a death triangle, them coming out. And he thinks that Pox hold him back. And I love what you're setting up, uh, Phoenix and Pentagon. Alex Abrentes was out there doing a great job as their uh, their their uh, their speaker, or at least Pentagon's, and Pox bringing it to Andrade. But I think that I agree with you, Chris. This is all going to set up to Chavo having his own little uh, little uh, heel group, uh, essentially with Andrade probably getting the brothers' heads, and then them taking out Pac. Um, I love all of this. I really do. I thought this was great. Me too. I wish it was Conan, but I like Chavo. So I, I will settle for Chavo, I guess. This was uh, way better than Vicky, like you said. And also, we got to hear Lucky, which Andrade, I don't care if you learn perfect English. Please never stop saying Lucky. It's my new favorite fucking thing. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, I love Andrade. I think that that heel team, call them Zero Fear and put them together be great chavo is the manager alex is like a little bit of a manager too but underneath chavo sure and he does a great job as translating i think that they should have leaned more on what they were doing with pentagon yeah where pentagon just says very asshole things (laughs) and alex has to like translate them Uh, so obvious that we know what the hell he just said yeah <laughs> I, I love it I, I think it's great and i'm looking forward to andrade versus uh omega which is going to happen whether they build it or not on this show because it's that's the triple mania match coming up soon man it's coming up in a couple of weeks um but yeah and i'm also looking forward to what it seems like andrade versus Pac. that should be an awesome fucking match too so we'll see man uh let's keep on moving the last big thing i would say um, we talked about the Britt Baker Ella Rose uh, match a little bit, a little bit. Uh, you know, it was it was it was what it was. But Britt got a broken wrist but won the match and should be making a full heel uh, or a full recovery and everything and still wrestling throughout it. So that's good. But let's talk about this Moxley match against Lance Archer for the IWGP U.S. Championship. Um, this was an awesome rough fucking match um i don't remember the death match over in wrestle kingdom where john moxley beat him for it a couple years back that might have been a better match but man that ending do you think that like renee was like god damn it like once again (laughs) she's at home and gets to see her husband get thrown through two tables with two cardboard stacks of fucking barbed wire and they're pulling him out pulling him out of it terry funk style and ecw attach a sabu Cause he was like, he was in the middle of all of it at the end of that, but it was last man standing, which they said was new Japan rules. I don't remember the Texas death match being uh, last man standing in submission, but whatever, what the fuck ever. It was a good match. It was what it was. And obviously John Moxley could not have gotten up out of that fucking thing. The only problem was technically his shoulders weren't on the ground. They were still propped up in barbed wire, but whatever. Lance Archer looked like a beast. And he won. And uh, I don't know. Are we not going to see Moxley for a little while? We all expected him to take time off. But uh, do you think he'll be on next week, Chris? 
I, I want to start this out by saying Renee Young on Twitter is fucking hilarious. Because, like, last week she was talking about uh, an accomplishment is breastfeeding and making scrambled eggs at the same time. <laughs> or something to that effect. <laughs> and then she tunes in and her husband's getting uh, taking a back bump in the middle of two chairs directly on his spine and then thrown through barbed wire. What is Moxley doing? Is he trying to die? Uh, Him and Kevin Jones, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah, they're killing each other for sure. Uh, that that spot Duncan on the Holy chair, God. the the power bomb. Oh. I thought he, I thought it was gonna be, I thought he was just gonna reverse out of it and the chairs get knocked out of the way. But no, Moxley took it directly. So if you guys didn't see the show, what happened is they put two chairs back. Oh, we had, sorry, you, then, you're, you're, you're back, but you cut out for like a split second there, buddy. Oh, oh okay, sorry. Uh, so what they did was they put two chairs back to back. He picks up Moxley and then power bombs him directly in the middle of his spine <laughs> across the two chairs. And I think they were supposed to give, but they did not at all. Well, <laughs> the thing is, Moxley put it together because originally Lance Archer put them so they were just the chair parts next to each other. And then Moxley got the better of him redid it so they were the opposite way and then Lance Archer got the better of him and fucking powerbombed on it so uh I kind of agree like Bully Ray went into this and was like dude I mean you know I get it but like that probably should not have been a spot that you want to go for (laughs) in a match especially if you're going to be throwing (laughs) a barbed wire afterwards yeah it was a great fucking match though and I was highly entertained. I liked this better than the other Moxley Moxley hardcore matches, I should say. I really liked the one with him and Joey Janela, but outside of that, I think this was probably his best hardcore match in quotations. Yeah, he's had two really good ones with uh, Lance Archer. And, dude, this was great for Lance. Um, I think this is going to give him more of a buzz. He's got a belt now. He's going to do some stuff with New Japan again, which he wanted to and now can work that out. Probably over in New Japan Strong, but whatever. You know, him showing up on that and having a match with Tomatonga or something like that would be awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I really like Lance Archer, man. He, I know that he's his two favorite wrestlers, and you can see a lot of it. Or the one he pulled from afterwards, especially in his Japan adventures, was Bruja Brody and how the audience would react to him. Kind of like similar to how Chris said that that was his main thing when he went to Japan. He wanted to be that type of concept. But he, he's very similar in style to The Undertaker. For a big guy his size, he should not be able to be as active. And I think – I wish that Jake would, would cut the fucking paranoid grandpa. He's like – he's more like Danny DeVito as Frank on fucking Always Sunny than – he should be cynical. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he shouldn't be this frantic weird guy that's like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can handle this. Like what the hell? Like I don't want Southern – Frank, I don't, I don't want that. I want Jake like he's gonna take your ass out, so you can't look at your ass the next morning. Like creepy, fucking sinister shit that Jake's known for. Like, change that about it, and I'm fine. Well, I don't think they want Lance Archer as a heel. That, I mean, I think that's yeah. the biggest problem, right? They started out doing that, but now they've transitioned Lance more to a babyface role. Um, but. When you said fucking always sunny, all I could think about is Jake the Snake with a python around him going, it's a goddamn coontosh. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> which which would be amazing. Can we get him to show up on NXT <laughs> and be Cameron Grimes' watched, manager? I watched, the I watched the wrestling episode uh, the other day, and my God. By the way, I'm at season seven, so I'm catching up pretty quickly, going through Always Sunny again. But um, that just... Frank has a trash man, and at the end where he comes in and hits him, uh, hits Cricket with the fucking trash lid, and it slices open his neck. He's bleeding everywhere. Uh, the late great Rowdy Rowdy Piper having fucking fights with people and uh, getting arrested and being like, "I love you, boys." Talking to fucking Dennis and Mac. That whole episode was great. Them coming out as the Eagles, but they look like a bunch of fucking stupid like birds. Like, oh my god, it's <laughs> a great episode. Abs under. All right, what better better wrestling episode that or South Park where they like made fun of the uh, theatrical element of uh, WWE nowadays? That girl had fourteen abortions, but I guess that just ain't real to you. <laughs> you know? I'm gonna go with South Park, but I love both. I really do. My favorite always sunny episode. And I kind of talked to you about this offline is the Wade Boggs episode. Yeah, <laughs> where he gets he gets shit canned on the plane. He has to hit two home runs, and he does it, and everyone's just like, "You didn't do it," <laughs> but he's drunk, so he has no <laughs> recollection. <laughs> it's great. Also, uh, I I read a story recently. This is a little off topic about uh, Mr. Perfect and Wade Boggs were really good friends and went hunting together, and Wade Boggs got caught up on a a, a fence, like a barbed wire fence. And Kurt Angle carried him like two miles back to his car and saved his life. Wow. Or not Kurt Angle, uh, Mr. Perfect, uh, Kurt Henning. Oh, well, either way, that's pretty fucking awesome. It's a weird ass story, and they were apparently friends from then on out. And you would you would see Wade Boggs at like random WCW events because they were really good friends. So check that story out. It's it's a Wade Boggs interview. It's not just some kind of wrestling bullshit. He's like, no, he legitimately saved my life. It's it's crazy. Just to tie it back into what we were talking about, but uh, Mr. Perfect, dude, one of the greatest of all time. All right, uh, let's go into SmackDown and uh, clear this show out. Um, this is last night as we record, like we always do on Saturdays. So fresh off this stuff, Cena comes out, he's back, big way. Uh, he calls out the challenge to Roman. Roman doesn't show up. Roman's gonna come on his own time, essentially, but. Once again, Chris, audience loves John Cena. He barely had any booze, it seems like. It's like I'm trying to listen for it, and it's like, no, that's actually probably one of the largest or loudest responses up there with Roman and a couple other people. But, uh, yeah, John Cena is, is the baby face we never knew we need <laughs> here in 2021. I just want him to start a family and talk about how everything <laughs> – I'm kidding. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, this is John Cena's great man. Who who knew? I think it helps that he has a great heel in Roman Reigns. That goes a long way. And uh, absence makes the heart fonder. Another guy, I'm surprised a little bit that got such a loud response. Just because I don't feel like he got the biggest response I thought he was going to get in NXT, being their past champion. Finn Balor made his in-ring return to SmackDown. I hate when they do throwaway matches. That would have been a really good pay-per-view match like this. And it looks like 
from the end of the night, Balor is going to go against Roman on one of the shows leading up to SummerSlam. So he's going to lose that as well. But Balor, the audience still fucking loves him. Um, maybe it's because it's a different audience. Maybe this audience, obviously, a lot of them don't watch NXT, so they can see Balor back. They pop for it. I just think that his entrance is great. His demeanor afterwards against Roman, even though he didn't speak much, was much more towards NXT. I hope they allow him to keep that aggressive version of himself. Still a baby face, but like much more like I hate to say Bret Hart, but like it's not like your 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 Johnny Gargano baby face or anything like that. Like he's much more direct, like I'm going to kick your ass because I'm really fucking good and you're going to fucking kiss my feet. I don't know if they're going to let him do that fully, but I don't want smiley fucking Balor again. Uh, did you the only thing is, did you not like the fact that he beat like him and Zayn had a good match, Chris, but it's over and that's it. Well, I mean, isn't that all of Zayn's storylines except for with Kevin Owens? Basically. Where they fight forever. If I, w- if I was booking Balor, I'd put him against Nakamura and do a mid-card feud. That would be awesome. I'd be the best. Him and Nakamura would be great together. Because right now he needs to stay the hell away from Roman because he's just going to get demolished by Roman. I mean, WWE is booking directly to WrestleMania very quickly. So anyone that is in Roman's near vicinity is going to get demolished. And uh, you just brought Ballard back. Uh, who's the Intercontinental Champion right now? It's a good question. Uh, Paulo Cruz. Um, yeah. Okay. So have Ballard take him out and then have Nakamura go after the title and, and do that feud. That'll be better. <laughs> Mid-card-wise, I forgot that Apollo Cruz was even on the fucking show. I'm not going to lie. Uh, that That... That gimmick is abysmal. It's nothing against his in-ring work. It's just bad. He wasn't on the. He wasn't even on Money in the Bank. Nope. <laughs> this used Either to be. was the U.S. champion, uh, Jameis. By the way, he's the U.S. champion. If you didn't know. <laughs> this Their mid-card be... title. Now. <laughs> this used to be the most, the second most prestigious title in entire wrestling world was the IC title when Macho Man Randy Savage held it. It's so sad to see how it's it's just so sad, man. But yeah, I don't know. Him and Nakamura would be fine. There's a lot of stuff. Him and Cesaro, like him and uh, there's a lot of good mid-card matches with them. Don't put him against Roman repeatedly, though, please. I know Roman needs strong wins, but does he come at Finn Balor's expense? Like, Yeah. I agree, man. And you know that they're not – we'll talk about – at the end, we're, we'll talk about Roman's actual promo because I thought that he killed it. I have it pulled up right here. But, you know, Balor and, and Roman are going to go against each other. He's holding off on John Cena, says that he doesn't deserve it. John, by the way, they announced this. He's going to be on 15 dates coming up, um, and I'm pretty sure they said, like, the recording one. So he's going to be on the product for at least the next two months, I would assume. Uh, which is fucking crazy. So Cena's back for a minute, Chris. Yeah, Cena fucked himself by doing all those promos against The Rock via satellite <laughs> and shitting on The Rock for not being there all the time. So now he has to be there all the time or he's a hypocrite. It's true. Um, But yeah, still looking forward to that. And Roman and, and Finn have had excellent matches before. I remember they had the match. What was it? wasn't for the universal title 
because he had to drop it after Seth. But I remember them having distinctly a match years ago that I thought was excellent. So it should be another good one. He's going to get through him, but hopefully Finn can be put, like you said, as the IC champion. But I love having Finn Balor back in the audience. I think loves having Finn Balor back. When do we get the Demon, Chris? We got Demon at SummerSlam against someone? Uh, maybe. God, but would he... I don't know. Did he just cancel that? Because I feel like he would have used it in NXT, honestly, if they were going to do it anymore. Maybe they just don't like the idea of having three demons on their show with The Fiend and Alexa Bliss and uh, Finn Balor, which the only one people care about is Finn Balor. So... Um, yeah, him and Roman should have a great fucking match, though. Roman works really good with uh, athletic guys like that, so it, it'll be really good. I would assume it to be very close to what Finn did with Brock, which I think was one of Brock's best matches, at least since he came yep. back into the fold easily. I was surprised on how much Brock sold for Finn. He must have big respect for him because Brock does what Brock wants, as Paul Heyman would say. Yep. Um, interesting trying to do part of this at a music concert because they had Wally at the whatever music festival that was. <laughs> um, I believe in Arizona, but <laughs> for a rematch between Carmella and Bianca Belair, though I don't understand exactly why Carmella got, but great showing of Bianca Belair. Audience seemed really into it, and it was uh, it was different. It was fun. I, that was uh, was cool. I just didn't give a shit about the match, honestly. Yeah, Sam didn't care much about the match. I love Wale, though. I mean, he's a super wrestling fan, so I'm not surprised that he's now starting to get involved with WWE. He does a WrestleMania party every year um, when they do WrestleMania, so that's cool. All right, uh, Edge and Rollins, man, really set up uh, very well in this. I just love the fact that Seth's stupid enough to believe that Edge was being serious that he wouldn't touch him, because I love it at the end, like, oh, you know, I wouldn't punch you. I lied. Wham! Right in the face. Um, but I love their their banter back and forth. I I thought it was great. I loved it. I, this is going to be a fun feud. But shouldn't Edge be pissed off since he kind of got fucked over? You know, I know that the Mysterio or the Mysterio brothers got the Usos out of it, and Seth initially was the one who caused Edge the match. But should he not want to mention anything about Roman Reigns and the fact that he got fucked over? That was the only problem I had, Chris, with that promo. Um, I'm torn on this because this happens in wrestling. They had to blow off the Reigns feud, right? So I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, Rollins had been pissing him off for weeks. So maybe he's just diverted and he's not doing a good job of being why he's pissed off. I thought the promo was fine. Um, Edge is massive, as we talked about earlier. Jesus Christ. It really is. Um, him and Rollins, that'll be great. I'm looking forward to that. I actually look forward to that. Like, look, I know there's a lot of Edge fans out there, but if he wins the title, like, does it matter? No. Um, he's not going to carry the show the same way Roman is carrying the show right now. And I'm not saying Edge is, could never win the title again, but him versus Rollins is more intriguing than uh, him having a title run. I agree. Well, love that they're setting that up. Uh, we had the debut of Tony Storm. Uh, she went against Zelina Vega, who lost against her. Back as a babyface, Chris. Uh, I guess maybe <laughs> – what if Vince have like an old video and he's like, 
Tony Storm. And he watched her original promo and was like, take her. Oh, well, well, well Dad, we, we build her now as a heel. I don't care. Fuck it. You know, I, I love her as a baby face. I'm glad she is. But I'm just saying it was very abrupt if you're an NXT watcher to all of a sudden watching <laughs> the, the product. And she's changed now without reason. And uh, Zelina Vega loses again. Chris, is this going to continue? When is Nia Jax going to put Zelina Vega through a million announce tables? When does that happen? <laughs> I have no idea. But, yes, I would I would think Zelina Vega is going to continue to lose, unfortunately. Though I think she's great, man. I, I don't – Me too. I, I liked her better when she was Andrade's main manager in nxt remember when that was a thing and she used to do a hurricane rana wearing heels heels yep <laughs> um love zelina vega but yeah I, tony storm um if that was vince's call he made the right decision she's a way better baby face <laughs> not to put I vince agree. over but <laughs> she i mean what has she done in nxt who cares if she's a heel didn't she just get demolished by eo when she was a heel yeah. Right. I'm, there's worse atrocities, is what I'm saying. Tony Storm is a babyface. That's great. They need someone for Bianca, so giving her some strong wins, even at the cost of Zelina, uh, at least she might get a cool babyface versus babyface feud or something similar to what they did with Sasha and Bianca. All right. I already mentioned uh, with the Jimmy Uso Dominic match, I thought Dominic looked good in it. It looks like they're keeping that tag team situation the same. But let's get to the ending with Roman Reigns, and I have it pulled up with the nice quote-like things. Oh, oh, okay. Just restart the whole website and go back to the, you stupid piece of crap. You piece of crap, you're fired. All right, I think, nope, that's the edge one. All right, let's get to where we were, Jimmy Uso, winner. All right, so Roman comes out at the end. Um, and God damn it. WWE universal champion is in the ring with Paul Heyman. You suck chance start before he can speak. I love how Roman's able now to eat this up. Like, and just, he's his, his attitude is so awesome right now. Uh, people are Roman tells the people at home to acknowledge him. I thought that was great. And I did acknowledge him after telling the audience <laughs> to, I said, you are my tribal chief, sir. Um, and basically, he's like, dude, I, I, I just feel like this whole John Cena thing, like, he just can't go away, man. You know, this is like a 2005 fucking greatest hits. He hasn't changed. He's boring. He's the exact same he's always been. Um, and Rain says he's not interested in that. He doesn't get motivated or inspired by that. Rain says Cena is right he can't see Cena and doesn't want to see Cena and doesn't need to see Cena. Uh, Reigns has no desire to see Cena. We're going to see Cena in a main event at SummerSlam because I hate this fucking website. I'm never using wrestling headlines ever again. Um, but essentially the same type of shit that he said. I want to get the quote that I sent you that I thought was the funniest um, thing that he said. Uh... Well, while you're looking at it, I'll just I'll John skip my. Cena is like missionary position. <laughs> it's boring. Hey, there's there's nothing wrong with a good old missionary. 
Uh, <laughs> I forgot he said that shit. Um, Cena's still the most over person in WWE. <laughs> I would say, though, that honestly, even though he's getting boos, it's more so that I think that people want to boo him because he's the heel, but Roman's right up there for a reaction. He's loud. And especially when he said that, everyone was like, oh, ho, 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 ho. Because now Roman doesn't have to say shit like suffering succotash and pretend he gives a shit about the people that are fucking booing him and be all smiley and nice about it. He can be a fucking dick. It's great. It's funny because it's almost like, you know, in um, Street Fighter 2, when you would have a mirror match and it'd be Ken versus Ken, where Roman is at in his career is where John Cena is at. So they are kind of mirror images (laughs) of each other. You know, like, I have to carry this on my back, and now people hate me. I have to also carry this on my back, and now people hate me. So it's funny that they're taking digs at each other like that. It's uh, it's great, man. It's so good to have Cena back. I'm not going to lie. I, I was super happy when Cena came back. But uh, great promo. Also, you know you know what else is over, Dane? Missionary. Missionary. <laughs> Missionary's over as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> John Cena's like missionary position. That shit was funny as hell. God, I but like, um, jo- John Cena going to Fast and the Furious got him more over. And he's supposed to be the heel in that movie. That's true. <laughs> uh, have you seen that Fast Nine? Is it worth watching? I haven't seen the last several Fast movies. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were too well. Fast and Furious to me. When you get so fast that you can go through building windows and, and, and scale them on, like, the 20th floor, that's it. I, I can't do it. I, I, I kind of stopped watching after Tokyo Drift when they had the uh, kid from Home Improvement as a teenager in a high school. Yep. <laughs> and he was, like, 45 at the time. Uh. Brad Taylor. But yeah, uh, we all know what happened at the end of it. Balor would come out because he said basically he wasn't going to give John a title shot because he didn't deserve it. And you know, unlike other places, you know, if you're if you don't if you haven't earned it, you don't just get a title shot because you have a name. I don't know if that was a dig at Goldberg, sounded like it, but whatever. And uh, Finn Balor's music hits comes up and he says, "Hey, what about me? I'll take you on." And it looks like they're going that direction. Like I said, that's not going to be the SummerSlam match. It's definitely Cena versus. Uh, Reigns, but we'll get Finn Balor and uh, Reigns in some type of match. I'm assuming next week, but probably soon in the future. So they should have a great match. Good SmackDown, man. Closing thoughts. Since since Cena has 15 dates, you think he's going to do open challenge to build up to get the wins to shut Reigns he up? Might. I could. You remember that Cena's open challenge and random people? That'd be a good way to introduce some people from uh, NXT. I mean, it worked for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. That that might be something they could do. Here's an idea, because you really don't need to have this belt uh, a part of anything. I know it would be a prop in the situation, but does it really matter? I like Sheamus, but when Cena shows up, calls out Sheamus, gets back his old U.S. title, and then does that as an open challenge and still racks up wins and then takes that with them uh, because everyone loves him with the U.S. title. Uh for Roman. Maybe even puts it on the line. Roman wins two belts. Who gives a shit? 
Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, does it matter? Do we need all these titles anyways if they're not on the fucking pay per view? That's a good, <laughs> that's a good question in itself. Um, but yeah, I could see him doing something like if they're building off that storyline, he actually does have 15 days. Shit, let Cena go in there and wrestle some people. I mean, I would like to see Cena versus uh, Nakamura. I want to see Cena tag with Riddle and go against someone. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> what can we call that? That 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 uh. Jesus, John Cena, and Matt Riddle, the Bros. <laughs> Cena. What's what's John Cena's like nickname? Does he have what the hell do they call him? Does John Cena have a nickname? I don't think so. I don't know. I think Cena's yeah. always just been sure his name is John Cena. <laughs> yeah, you can't bro me. We'll be the a... doctor of thugonomics. The doctor of broonomics. The doctor is a broonomics. The bronomics. <laughs> All right. We'll have to work on it, but I want some more interaction with Matt Riddle and uh, John Cena in the future. I love that. I love Matt Riddle just talking about how Randy Orton hates pants. It's like my favorite thing. <laughs> because if you really think about it, even when Randy Orton is wearing a hoodie <laughs> to like for an ring entrance, he still has no fucking pants on. It's a good call out. <laughs> it really does. <sighs> he just walks in briefs around his house. Well, I don't know what Randy Orton does around his house. I have a camera I, there. I know a little I, bit. I have seen him RKO a, a child into a pool, so I guess that's what he does. Just I love that he practices his RKOs on his own kids in this pool. Imagine if you're the Uber Eats guy and you have to go to Randy Orton's house. You look at a fucking delivery address, you see the name, you're like, fuck, I really don't want to RKO today. Dude, I'm stupid, though. I would be asking, come on, man. Can you RKO me in the front lawn? Oh, uh, no, kid. Sorry. I don't want to. You know, I'm not a kid. You know, whatever. Years deli- and years but. and years from now, when he's doing, like, Comic-Cons and stuff, signings, there's he's going to have to give so many people RKOs. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. All right, guys. Uh, I think that was the episode itself. Uh, went over a lot of stuff. So, you know. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're here every Saturday recording. We usually have the shows up on Sundays for new listeners, all of our old listeners, and new listeners alike. Thank you guys for listening. I could not do this show without me, though. Chris, uh, if you have any plugs or whatever you would like to say to the people before we leave this discussion. Yeah, uh, Skate's Throats. We had a new episode. We went over the Stan- your new Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning, or retaining Stanley Cup champions because it went back-to-back. Uh, we talked about that. We talked about Kucherov getting uh, naked on stage and drinking Bud Light and saying this is number one bullshit. So if you like hockey, uh, check that out. And uh, we have another one coming out about the draft today. And also, uh, in the future, I just did a show with Sly and the Guys, which is a Sylvester Stallone podcast recapping every one of his movies in order. I highly recommend checking that out. And uh, if you want to talk to me on Twitter, at Chris R. Patton. And on Facebook, Christopher.r.patton. Yeah, man, you know, it, it's, you know, it's funny that you would say that because you know, I, I, I've been in a bunch of movies and uh, one time I was talking about was Schwarzenegger. Well, the one that I specifically was on was for Rambo. 
which is a, actually a great fucking movie. Maybe one of the best action movies of the 80s, I would say. Very underrated film. And just an excellent film in general, since it really dealt with PTSD and a lot of that stuff, uh, and then became a most ridiculous over-the-top franchise afterwards. Yeah, it went from being a really great movie to like a really weird action-heavy franchise, because the first movie is very fucking dark. Well, anyway, you guys have a good one out there. Oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Anyways, uh, you guys all have a good one out there if you want to... Find us on a different platform from which you're listening. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We're on pretty much everything. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, just You can even Google it to find more options, but we're on all of them. So check out that. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much. You guys have a great day, night, whenever you're listening to this. Check us out back next week. We're going to have plenty to talk about. And, of course, as always, peace out and let Re- Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. Yeah, bitch. Ooh, yeah.